This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. <laughs> who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Joe, stop yelling at me. I agree. And we are live here on the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast presented by MyBookie. I'm Rich Craig alongside, as always, King of Banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Exciting, thrilling start to the show. <laughs> you're all hot and bothered today, so bring in the energy. I just, you know, you're you're. Well, I'm actually getting something prepared uh, here here in the background that uh, that people. But I, but I, before we do that, though, I do want. Um, you're very angry right now, so I just want to make. I'm walking I'm on eggshells. I'm a little, I'm a little worn out because I just did the Thursday TV reviews, Patreon.com/slash Voices of Wrestling, and um, I really liked Dynamite yesterday, but I spend the entire one hour and ten minute, um, you know, piece of audio screaming and yelling and complaining about things, and I'm just, just bent out of shape and I'm annoyed. I just, I just, uh, you know, I, people just they aren't grasping. Here's what it is. Like people are claiming that they're not grasping the Kenny Omega thing, which is very obvious and and shouldn't require a ton of uh analytical thinking to understand. I mean, he's just he's the best bout machine. He's a cocky heel who thinks he's the best wrestler in the world and um he's basically doing the same act that he's been doing for the last 5 years. I don't understand what's so hard to understand, but it's not that these people don't understand Kenny Omega. They're like – they're making up these imaginary sort of viewers in their heads that don't actually exist and claiming that these people can't possibly understand the complexities of this Kenny Omega. Right, yeah, character. person A, Joe, Joe TV, who's just flipping channels. And, and AEW and, is doing such – Yeah, well, it's like Joe TV who lands on Dynamite. And just goes, I, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even get my head around it. what is going on. What in the world is happening with this man who's coming out? He's got all these accolades. He's got these women that come into the ring with him. He's cocky. I just, I can't get the, I can't understand. And they turn off and they never turn it back on again, ever again. They're done forever. It just, you know, it, it's almost like people are concocting um, some imaginary viewer that doesn't really exist. And claiming that that person can't possibly understand what Kenny Omega is trying to get across. My counter to that is if you've never seen Kenny Omega in your life, if you've never seen AEW in your life, if you've never seen pro wrestling in your life, and just watch Kenny Omega's entrance. If you don't understand what he's trying to get across, you might be the dumbest person in the world. I mean, how, how is it not more obvious what he's doing here? Let alone if you're a wrestling fan. Let alone if you follow AEW and or know who Kenny Omega is. I mean, it just 
it's it, it just it's like slamming my face into a wall with these people trying to say that um you know this this Kenny Omega story just hasn't been told appropriately right what more do you need he's got women out there with brooms <laughs> sweeping the floor well most and, dude, you know, dude I'm, I'm listen I listen to like the analysis of, of it and it's even like even people that I think should know but I, I'm listening you know Brian and Dave and a bunch of other people going like What's this North Carolina thing in his entrance? I don't know. Like, I, I think it's because FTRs from North Carolina. Like, you idiots! Michael Jordan, most popular athlete ever. Like, what? Why are we doing this? It, it's. It, I think it really. Yeah. It, it comes down to a lot of a lot of, and, and we'll talk about this, of course, when we talk about Hell in the Cell. Is that the industry leader has kind of told people that the way to tell processing stories is to tell them every single night. Every single time, over and over and over again, and hit it over the head, and hit it over the head, and hit it over the head, because there's no possible way that that you, Joe TV, could possibly understand the story. Figure out the story on your own. Uh, maybe in your head, say, ah, "I think this is what this character is," but like, you know, I'm, I'm like, it, it, it's every single week and every single, and we and we get that on Twitter. People saying, "Well, you got to reset. You got to let people know." What about the first time viewers? <laughs> it's like they'll catch up, man. They'll either get it in five seconds because it's not hard to tell that this guy's a cocky fucking asshole or, you know, they'll watch the show. And if they really get interested in it, they'll, 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 they'll pick it up there. People are smart. People can, could put two and two together, but the industry leader has said, no, our fans are not smart. So Corey Graves, every single time you must scream out what Bailey's motivations are, or else people are not going to understand what Bailey's motivations are. And, and that has apparently leaked into wrestling fans brains. And they decided now that you must do that. The only way to tell stories is to rehash the beginning of the story a thousand times over. Yeah. Yeah. It's um this idea that people watching Dynamite don't know who Kenny Omega is or what he's about. This promotion was built and is succeeding on the fact that these characters were popular already. Right. That's why the promotion is doing well. Everyone knows who Kenny Omega is. Why are we pretending that there's some imaginary viewer somewhere who doesn't know who Kenny Omega is? And needs this explained. And if there is someone channel flipping who comes across this, who knows nothing of it, as soon as they see his entrance, they'll know exactly what they're trying to get across with this guy. Right. It, it's like, you know, I, I, I liken it to say you're watching, you know, you're flipping around and you find basketball for the first You've never seen NBA basketball ever before. And it's the Warriors versus the Rockets or whatever. They'll just throw out two teams. And you see Steph Curry out there. And you see Steph Curry launch a three from 30 feet and it goes in. And everybody goes, wow, Steph Curry, that's his third three of the game, you know, and, and you'll get the score. And it's like, you, you get the idea of Steph, you know, you don't need you know, it's Kevin Harlan to say, well, that's Steph Curry. He went to Davidson, which is not actually that big of a college. And then he, uh, you know, got drafted later in the first round because people weren't sure about his size. But as you can tell, he's a good shooter. Like, imagine if they had to do that every time. Like, they just it's, say, it's Steph Curry. You'll figure it out. He hit another three. Wow, that's pretty impressive. These fans are going nuts. Here are his stats. If you want to learn, you get, you understand the purpose of Steph Curry. You understand, wow, that guy's a really good shooter, even though he's just a kind of a, a, a small guy or whatever. If you want to learn more about Steph Curry, you can go and find that. But I don't need Kevin Harlan to say every single time the entire life story of Steph Curry every time he makes a three-pointer. We had someone in the Twitter mention saying, okay, well, people might know who Kenny Omega is and uh, and they might understand that he's uh, a super cocky heel right now, but they might not understand why there's women on the stage with brooms. So? And my counter to that is, so what? <laughs> right. They'll, they'll either figure it out and catch up or do some research. and If they care enough, they'll figure it out or they'll catch up or they'll never know. 
What does it matter? Right. That hypothetical viewer is going to get to the channel, see those women and say, well, I'm never watching this show ever again because I don't understand that. (laughs) Just like you gave like your anecdote. Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer, they just they don't get the North Carolina thing. So what? That's one minor detail. Right. It's like. How how many minutes do you think for someone who's never seen? I hate these comparisons like you had to make a basketball comparison and I'm going to make one. None of these are apples to apples, but how many minutes do you think into an episode of Breaking Bad would it take somebody <laughs> to get the gist of it? 20 minutes, maybe a half hour, maybe the whole episode. And having never seen Breaking Bad, just plop them into the middle of season three, episode four. Okay, you'd have the gist of it. Two episodes in. You'd pretty much have everything down. Would you know every nuance of every backstory? No, you wouldn't. But would you kind of understand what's going on? Would you would you understand Walt, Walter White's motivations? Would you get the idea that yeah, you, you don't you'd catch up? It doesn't need to be explained at the top of every episode that he you know he doesn't have to do a monologue explaining to the audience. <laughs> I, would, that he has I actually answer. love this idea. I would love that idea if you you plop into yeah season three episode four and it's like doom doom a cold open. Walter White used to be a science teacher, but now no, or they have to, or they just concoct, or they just concoct some scene where he's explaining his life story to another character for the benefit of the audience, just in case there's a new viewer. Watching. <laughs> right, right, right. That's not how this shit works. Okay, you. you, you pe- Give people credit. People aren't as dumb as 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 you think they are. They'll catch up. And maybe, Rich, if you plop in season three, maybe you won't understand everything about the show as much as I do if I've been watching since episode one. Meaning, okay, maybe if you're a new Dynamite viewer who never saw Kenny Omega in New Japan, you might not understand the broom reference. You might not understand some other little thing. You might not understand the complete backstory as well as I do. But this isn't rocket science. It's pro wrestling. Right. And also the uh, the world's information is at your fingertips in five seconds. So you can just Correct. type in Kenny Omega Broom and figure out pretty quickly what the broom's for. If if that is really your holdup and the reason why you're just never going to watch the show ever again because you don't understand this broom, I think you could find it pretty quickly. I think if you put Kenny if Omega you, Broom, yeah. you might be able to find some information about why Kenny Omega might have a broom. So yeah, if you care enough, you'll you'll figure it out. Or it's like, in my example, Rich, if if a character pops up in an episode and you don't know who that is, you might pause the show and go check the IMDb page or Wikipedia or whatever if you care enough to figure out who this character is. You see what I'm saying? It, it's not. You can't convince me that Kenny Omega, what he's doing now, is such a complex character that people just are going to – and I think you nailed it at the top. It's just one company has hammered us over the head with the way that they tell stories for so long that there are now fans who are convinced that's the only way you can tell pro wrestling stories. You have to hold everybody's hand and use the subtlety hammer and constantly explain everything. Every time a wrestler comes on the screen, Michael Cole explains who that wrestler is and why they're coming on the screen. I find that annoying. Yeah, I was actually going to I was going to bring up uh, is to me honestly, I think you're wrong off more viewers by doing that same thing. I, I think like by by having to explain every single time. Imagine how annoying Breaking Bad would be if every single time 
you know, like Walter White's trying to sell, you know, sell drugs to somebody. They say, well, why do you, you know, why do you sell drugs? And he goes, well, I used to be a science teacher. And then I got, like, that'd be, I mean, imagine how annoying that would be. Fucking one season in, you'd say, this show's stupid. Just let me. Never watch the show again. Right. Just like, let's go. Let's just tell the story and I'll I'll figure, like, but that's, you know, people say, oh, you need to have that or else people aren't going to watch anymore. I think you're going to get less people watching, like, if you do that. If if every single time Kenny Omega came out, Tony Schiavone said, well, the brooms are because he used to be the cleaner and the Michael Jordan is because Michael, like, you know, the North Carolina is because, like, that, that would get annoying. Like, and I think your, your actual fans, the people that actually like your show and aren't just kind of scrolling or whatever, are going to say, this is annoying and I'm not going to watch this anymore. And it's it, it, yeah. people will catch up. Right. <laughs> and, and again, I, I don't love these comparisons because they're never apples to apples. But I'll give you another one. And this one actually is pretty much it. soap operas. What has pro wrestling been described as for years? Yeah, uh, an athletic soap opera. Yeah, soap operas for men. <laughs> right. Athletic soap operas, whatever. But it's like soap operas, they're a thing of the past for the most part. Most of them have been canceled. Oh, speak for yourself. They no, had, I don't know. <laughs> What's even around, how many are even around anymore? I, I don't know. Um, you know, I, dead, I, I don't yeah. even know the answer to that. But yeah, Young and the decade, Restless, that's still got to be going, right? I don't know. Yeah, I don't um, know either. I never watched any of them, to be honest, so I'm not sure. But go ahead. Yes, go, go. Uh, the point is they ran for decades. They were a television staple, uh, you know, and they were very similar to pro wrestling in that. How do you think soap operas gained new viewers to be able to sustain themselves for three, four, sometimes five decades? whether it was General Hospital or One Life to Live or All My Children, okay? They didn't explain Erica Kane's character on All My Children every time she hit the screen. You sat down and watched an episode, and after an episode or two, you got the gist of it. She's this rich broad who's been married nine times. She's an egomaniac, whatever the case may be for each character, right? You jump in and you catch up. It's the same thing with pro wrestling, Okay, you don't need to be beat over the head with this stuff. And the fact of the matter is, most of the people watching Dynamite know who Kenny Omega is. It's like, you know, when AJ Styles showed up in the Royal Rumble, he got an enormous pop. And he showed up cold. There was no origin story. Everyone's in our Twitter mentions talking about, well, every time Batman has a movie, they tell you the origin story. <laughs> Which gets made fun of by everybody. Comic book fans hate that. Well, I hate it. Fact. It's like, okay, what's that have to do with wrestling? Right. AJ Styles shows up. That's a terrible no, example, by the way. But yeah. No backstory, no origin story, never stepped foot in a WWE ring in his life. He got an enormous pop. You're not giving wrestling fans enough credit. This isn't 1978 where some new guy showed up in your territory and, and who had never been there before, and you have to explain who he is because nobody has the internet. Wrestling fans know who, who the stars are. People know who Kenny Omega is. Again, they might not know him as well as I know him. They might not have watched him in New Japan, but they know who he is. And if you're a wrestling fan, you understand wrestling. It's not going to take you long to catch up. I don't know why a lot of these analysts and pundits, it's like they treat wrestling viewers like they're complete simpletons and everything has to be explained like you're five. It doesn't. Just because one company has done it that way forever, to their detriment, in my opinion, why does that mean that this company has to do it that way? They're doing it their way. They're not expl- They're not hand-feeding you everything. They're giving you enough credit. They're saying you will catch up. If you haven't been along for the ride, you will catch up. 
And there's nothing wrong with that. And and circling this back to Omega, if you don't get what he is by simply watching his entrance, there really isn't much hope for you. And it is disheartening where you have Dave Meltzer saying he thinks he's just supposed to be a superstar babyface. <laughs> right. Now, he kind of walked that back this week. you know. And Wade Keller out there saying, wow, they got to stop making Kenny Omega so ambiguous. They really have to make – what can be clearer – then this man's entrance alone. How is this ambiguous in any way? And how passive aggressive he was towards Sonny Kiss after he beat him. I, yeah, I could and, not believe the people. Else. I could it's, not it's, believe it's, the people uh, that that were were defending the Sonny uh, talking about the Sonny Kiss thing. Like, no, 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 that's Kenny being nice. It's like, oh my god, are you kidding? Like, no, he's being a total piece of shit. Sonny Kiss just wants to leave the ring. Sonny Kiss just got embarrassed by Kenny Omega. Kenny goes, no, 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 stay in. Come on. Congratulations. Everybody, give it up for Sonny Kiss. Yay. Like, no, Sonny just wanted to go. Okay, I took my lumps. You beat me in five seconds. I just want to leave and just go to the back. And Kenny goes, no, come on. Standing ovation for my opponent. Hey, nice job. Way to go, kid. Like, that's so heel. Like, but then people just didn't get that, which I, that, that boggles my mind as even, well. Even Sonny, even Sonny Kiss was giving him dirty looks. Right. <laughs> Couldn't have like, more obvious. Like, I don't right. You know, I you know, so um I don't know. I, I, I feel like um maybe it's one of two things. Either we're making up imaginary fans who can't possibly understand the complexities of a cocky heel, or I'm the one that's off base. Because maybe if people like Dave Meltzer and Wade Keller can't even wrap their heads around this, maybe everyone really is confused <laughs> right. and they can't understand what I see as a very simplistic character. And, you know, it, and, and it's like it all comes back to to this thing where, you know, allegedly Kenny Omega has never been presented as a star in AEW. So why would, again, the imaginary new viewer think that he's a star now? Or why would the imaginary viewer who never saw wrestling and didn't know who Kenny Omega was before AEW started, which I would guarantee that's such a tiny percentage of the people who watch it to begin with because again this promotion was built on a fandom that already thought these people were superstars right we cannot forget and we're watching a youtube channel as well because that comes up a lot too it's like well they got to do more than just tell stories on being the elite and it's like they do they do tell more stories than being the elite but some stories get enhanced by being the elite and I don't see that as a negative. I see that as a positive because a lot of their fans fucking watch being the elite. So it's like, that's fine. And, and again, it's that we always say that little bit of a nugget, like if, if it's enough to be understood by, you know, your casual fans, that's good. And then what you can do is on being the elite, you can put in even more subtleties, even more stuff. So your hardcore fans that are watching every single thing, consuming every minute of content that you have, they go, oh, geez, that's from being the elite. That's awesome. Whereas like, yeah, it, it, nice little things like that, nice little nuggets. There's nothing wrong with that. That's good. More stuff should, more things should be that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? WWE should do that more. Every wrestling company should do that more. Reward your hardcores with some little nuggets here and there, but you don't necessarily have to make the whole show about them. And I don't think they do. But yeah, people assume that like, if you don't watch being the elite, you're like, oh my god, what the hell's going on here? What are the people's motivations? Yada yada, whatever. It's 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 very weird. It's very very I, I strange. Watch, but I don't watch being the elite. I understand that Kenny Omega, what Kenny Omega is doing right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah. Um, okay, listen. Even if let's assume there's some, you know, I, I believe these people are imaginary, but let's assume there's some made up segment of viewers who didn't know a thing about any of these people in AEW, and they showed up for episode one of Dynamite. Because they saw an advertisement 
on, uh, you know, somewhere in, in, in a fucking magazine or on the internet or on Twitter or on Facebook for this new league coming to TNT. And they said, you know what? I like pro wrestling or I used to like pro wrestling or whatever the fuck. I'm going to try this out. And they came in completely cold. Can I give you some Kenny Omega facts since the debut of uh Sure. Oh yeah, that's what we're here for. We got three hours. Go ahead. He's like a star. Allegedly has not been treated like a star. You would never know Kenny Omega's a star if you didn't know he was a star to begin with. Did you know that that AEW has had six pay-per-views and he has headlined half of them? <laughs> Main event. Main event of half the pay-per-views. But this man has not been booked or treated like a star. He main evented the very first pay-per-view in company history. They followed that up with those two BR live shows, which are like kind of like pay-per-views, but not really. He semi-main evented both of those. And then he main evented Full Gear. And then he main evented Double or Nothing this year. He was third from the top at All Out. He was the semi-main event of, um, of Revolution in the tag match against the Bucks with Hangman Page. This guy's never been lower than third from the top on a pay-per-view, and he's main evented half of the pay-per-views in company history. But he's not treated like or booked like a star. Rich, I do the Thursday TV reviews every week. I talk about ratings right at the top, correct? Yes. I study the ratings every week. Patreon.com slash Voice of Wrestling, by the way. Study the ratings every week, correct? Yes. Get a hold of the quarter hours every week, right? correct? Yes. This stuff. Try study to. It. <laughs> Try to as much as you can, but... Kenny Omega, every time he's on TV, nearly every time he's on TV, pops a number. But he's not treated like or considered a star. But because How could the audience possibly know this man's a star? And every time they put him on TV, he's in either quarter hour one, five, or eight. Rich, what are quarter hours one, five, and eight? And why are those important? Big star it's quarters. Top of the hours and the main events. Yeah, top of the hours, main events, big quarters. Yeah, big – yeah, it's it, – it's, yeah, if for anybody that knows and, anything about wrestling ratings, those are the those are the quarters that matter the most in a two hour wrestling show. Yes, one, four, five, eight. Those are the, you don't see Kenny Omega in quarter hour seven. Why? Because he's a star and he's a draw and he pops a number nearly every time he's on the screen. Why do you think they opened up all those dynamites with Kenny Omega and Hangman Page defending the tag team titles every week? Because he's a star and he's a draw and he pops quarter hours. But yet you'll have people tell you that Kenny o- they've totally blown Kenny Omega. They don't treat him like a star. They don't push him like a star. Nobody has main evented more pay-per-views than Kenny Omega in the history of all, all elite wrestling. He's put in drawing positions every week on TV and delivers. So where did this idea come from? See... A few weeks ago against Sonny Kiss, oh, well, Kenny Omega's back. They're finally treating Kenny Omega like a star. He's back. He never went anywhere. <laughs> He's been treated like a star from day one in this company. Based in no reality. You look at the facts. You look at reality. He's been treated like literally from day one. He main evented the first fucking pay-per-view in company history. From literally day one, he's been treated like a star. He held the tag team titles for 228 days. This is not WWE where the tag team titles are on the pre-shows of the pay-per-views. Where you can't even remember who the champions are. It's important. 
those titles semi-main evented the pay-per-views. They were put in important positions on the television. And since I have to explain things to people, it was very obvious then, and it's very and it should be very obvious now, although I can't take anything for granted with some of you idiots, okay? <laughs> that the whole entire point that the entire point of that tag team was to set up a Kenny Omega Hangman Page program, which is probably going to carry the company in 2021. If you have a brain in your fucking skull, you knew that all along. But now it's happening. So, I mean, what the fuck? It's mind-blowing that this shit needs to be explained. I'm disgusted that I have to waste time doing it. Don't come at me with bullshit. I've got the facts. Face the facts. <laughs> I was going to say a little Brian Myers there. I was hoping you were going to do it. I was like, I don't want to say it. I don't want to hit the subtlety hammer there, but there you go. Thank you. If you want to tell me Kenny Omega hasn't been treated like booked as or is, is not seen as a star by the fans, show me evidence. Show me failed quarter hours. Show me him working curtain-jerking pay-per-views. Coming out, you know, third on the show. Working the seventh quarter hour. Show me some evidence. You don't have any. Because he's been treated like, booked as, and considered a star from day one of the promotion. And you're all going to look foolish when he wins this fucking title from Moxley and then feuds with Hangman Page over it. That's probably where we're going. And it's a shame because I think Moxley's doing a great job. But he's at the title forever, and he's running out of people to face. I could totally see Omega beating him for the title. And then 2021 carried by Omega and Page, which they set up in 2020 with the 228-day tag team title run. Where everybody thought Page was going heel, and Omega was always the peacemaker. But again, the natural move there was for Omega to... look. Rich, well, it I just happened, too. I mean, I, they kind of struck gold, too, with Hangman just getting over as much as he did. And he's been one of the biggest unfortunate things about the no crowds is, is if you would have told me in February, I, I was there live at, at, at Revolution, I would have said, dude, you got to, like, I don't know what, but you got to give this guy the title. You got to go with this guy right now, this Hangman Page guy. I mean, he is there. He's big. You have strike while the iron's hot. And I hate, hate that this that last half of this year has had no fans. And it's like, uh, or, you know, a few fans or whatever. Not, not literally no fans. But, like, that's been the biggest casualty I think has been Hangman Page who doesn't feel nearly as hot as he did in February by no fault of his own really and no fault of really I think the story it's just like he was a guy that had such a cool crowd connection and such just a, an awesome awesome connection to the crowd and the story was just building and building and building but like like you said I mean I think they've done a pretty good job of stretching that story out and now when that when that story does come in 2021 and ideally fingers crossed hopefully we do have fans back again it's going to be a big deal it's just yeah they've been able to press pause on it a little bit but yeah by february that thing was already bubbling and like oh my god you got you got a great story here go with it um but no i i i'm right with you i think that's you know the way it's and and like really yeah if the story was going to be that hangman was going to go heel and kenny was going to go face or whatever i don't really agree i think that they always kind of wanted this direction even if they didn't want this direction the fans made them go this direction and it's fine go with it you know what i mean go absolutely with this direction of hangman being the face because he, he he had gotten over to that level for sure and and, and kenny's great heel so yeah I, I i think even if that wasn't the plan i think it's Probably the right plan. I mean, he headlined double or nothing against, I mean, the, the, the very first pay-per-view at a company. 
Then they put him in the tag team to get Paige over. How is this not obvious? <laughs> and then all along, like all along the way, like how many promos did this guy cut? Where, you know, and, and, and after they lost the titles, when he cut the promo where he said, ah, oh, well, you know, I'm going to get back into singles wrestling because you know, I'm a, I'm a, I think I'm the best singles wrestler in the company and this and that. They've explained all this. People pretend like they don't explain these things either. Right, they just right, don't right. beat you over the head with it. Yeah, I think one thing too with, with, with Kenny, and, and it's, it, it applies to Cody as well, and those two guys have been really good about, about that, and AEW's been good about this, is is the guys that have superstar entrances are superstars. You know what I mean? Not not to use the WWE term or whatever, but the, the overall term of like when you're actually, not, not the term of like everybody, you know, Otis isn't a fucking superstar. But like right. Cody comes out and there's fucking 7,000 explosions. There's a band playing for him. He, he comes out of a fucking throne. You know what I mean? Like that's like, holy shit, okay. That guy's a star. From underneath the ground. <laughs> right. Like I, not everybody, if everybody came out with that entrance, then it'd be like, well, then no, you know, there, there's no differential, you know, no differentiation between, you know, what Cody does and, and, and what other guys do and Kenny's the same way too he comes out his his theme song takes a little while to get going you see him walking the streets you know it's the whole you know video and then he comes out and the song builds up and then he fucking throws his hands in the air and a bunch of fucking fireworks go all over the place and it's like yeah you, you can't tell from that that he's a star like that's that's another huge giveaway in AEW is that some guys just walk out some guys walk out with, you know, a pretty cool entrance. Some guys walk out with some props or whatever. But the stars, dude, you can tell the stars' entrances. Kenny has a star entrance. Cody has a star entrance. Even the Young Bucks, I think, is you know have a somewhat star entrance. But I think they're even below Kenny and, and, and Cody. I mean, when those guys come out, it's just, bam, there's fucking 7,000 explosions. And it's just clear it feels different in the arena when you're there live, too. So it, 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 that's another way that they tell you and, and, and really, you know, hit, not necessarily, you know, hit you over the head but i'd say for me it hits me over the head that hey this guy's a star and that guy's not like but to some people i guess they don't pick up on that just a waste of time i i don't i i mean why do i have to waste my time doing this <laughs> it's it's uh i don't know i guess i guess at the top of every dynamite they should give everybody's origin story like they do in the uh dopey comic book movies that everybody's uh uh hitting up our our twitter replies with I don't know. Um, you know, this, this is Cody. His father's Dusty Rhodes. He was in the WWF and WCW as well as Florida. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he was the booker of WCW, but he also wrestled in Florida and also in the Carolinas. And he was the champion. Like, how far do you want to go back? How far do we have to tell the, the origin story of Cody? You know? Well, all those famous episodes of Memphis Wrestling where they explained who Jerry Lawler yeah, was. This is Jerry the King Lawler. <laughs> You know. He throws a really good punch, and when he puts his strap down, that means business. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like Lance Russell, hello, folks. <laughs> All right, like, yeah. Or that, there, that guy or, in the goatee or, is Jerry the King Lawler. <laughs> you know, like, or you watch one Lawler match and watch him drop the strap, and oh, I get it now. <laughs> right, right. I, you know, it's it's not difficult. You know, it's it's you know, this stuff isn't complex, but. This, the new trend is is to create imaginary viewers who are simpletons who need to be spoon fed everything, or you're not doing a good job telling your story. Well, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about that with Hell in a Cell in, in a bit here. I mean, that that I think is 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 a, a tale of two matches, especially on Hell in a Cell. One where I think they didn't spoon feed you, and then one where a man screamed, "Acknowledge me!" for 35 minutes. So, yeah, I don't want to jump ahead. No, but, no, no, uh, no. I got some takes on that one. Ooh, please. takes. Takes. Getting gotta have the takes. What are we here for without if we don't want you gotta the takes? Have the takes? Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Are, are you done with your Kenny thing? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> all right, Joe. I have a question for you. 
shoot. Yes. Okay. Joe, I have a question for you. Okay, I'm ready to answer it. Are you ready Uh to walk with Elias? Elias Universal Truth has dropped, Joe. Oh. Are you ready to listen to this album? I'm ready. The whole way through. Every single song. All four. No, we don't have to actually listen to all four songs. Can you hear this? I can hear it. I listened to this earlier. This song's actually pretty good. I don't mind this song. Oh, so this you wanted to do a bit, but the song got over with you. I was I was listening to the car on my way home, making sure it was actually like available or whatever. And I was it's like, it's not good, but I don't hate it. This is a uh, amen parentheses. I'm going in, by the way. So yeah. Hallelujah. I'm gonna I'm gonna fade it into the back so we can we can discuss. Amen. Parentheses. I'm going in. So. Are you enjoy this? Not really. <laughs> no, it's it's. <laughs> it sounds horrible. I'll admit it. I got a little head nod with the uh, the rhythm got my head bobbing a little bit, but uh, it's pretty terrible. The actual singing is is horrendous. So. The so lyrics did... were terrible. <laughs> there he goes. See, he's talking about being a sinner. Yeah. Hold on. Let's, let's okay. You did a pretty good job of, of recreating. <laughs> oh, so generic. <laughs> so generic. Oh, wow. All right. That is Amen, I'm Going In, which is a very horny song as our chat room is pointing in. <laughs> is it a horny song? Uh, he's going in. I don't know. I mean... I guess it's to heaven. I don't but... think that's what he means. What do you think he's going in? Heaven? No, so I need sinner. to know. <laughs> Please explain the song to me. He's a, I'm a sinner. <laughs> and I'm going in. I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's just jibber jabber. I don't think it really means anything. <laughs> so this jibber jabber is number one on Apple Music's soundtracks list today. All no, right. So, so you no, show some fucking respect. All right. That's one of those contrived things, like where we say, <laughs> "Yeah, like like at one point, um, I remember we were on the like new and noteworthy. We were like number one on new and noteworthy pro wrestling podcast for like a week, and it was like, ah, look at that. Like, it's just like, well, yeah, like no one else had a soundtrack album this year, this week that anybody listened to. But no, it's it's uh, Triple H went out to uh, on Twitter uh, to thank uh, Elias or congratulate Elias for for reaching number one. Why is that a soundtrack? I don't know. I have no idea. Why is that even classified as a soundtrack? I'm not sure. I don't know. So they just picked a category that they can get to number one in. Is what they Maybe, yeah. Because I don't think like shitty folk or whatever is a category that he could win. So, um, so that's uh, that's it's, it, it, it's number one in the very prestigious wrestling gospel. <laughs> right. Is what it is. So that was Amen. I'm going in. So you. uh your thoughts on, on Amen going in. What's your star rating for Amen going in? You can listen That's, on your own time, by the way, if you'd like to as well. So. I'm not going to do that. Okay. Um, it's terrible. It sucked. <laughs> I hated it. But I will say that I really nailed those lyrics. You really did. I, I As I was listening on my car at home, I was like, damn, Joe really did. <laughs> like, like you did a pretty damn good job of recreating uh, the, the songs from uh, WWE Universal Truth, Elias, Universal Truth. So You thought the lyrics couldn't possibly be that simplistic. <laughs> And you were wrong. I was That's definitely wrong. All right, so you ready for uh, Streetlight? This is one that I remember you talking about. 
Yes. Yesterday. You ready for Streetlight? I think we have to pay this guy like fucking money now on our, our YouTube Play ads. The fucking... Yeah, I just realized that now. He's probably going to oh. copyright us on these YouTube ads. That's all right. You can have him. You know what, Elias? Take him. It's cool. All right, you ready for Streetlight? Joe, are you still with me? Oh, no. Joe has been overcome yeah, by emotions. But... Oh, okay. Yeah, you were... Oh, jeez. All right, you were gone. I was wondering if you were overcome by emotions. But Okay, all right. All right, this is Streetlight. <laughs> we got a long build here. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> no way. Drum in there. Alright, I gotta I gotta look I gotta I can't listen to this anymore. <laughs> I, I this is so bad. <laughs> The other one was way better. Yeah, the, the streetlight is that's like that's like wrestling boot bad Hulk Hogan and the wrestling boot band bad. Now we're sure this isn't a joke, right? Like, do they think he's good? What 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 she am I as a viewer? No, <laughs> what am serious. I supposed to think? I'm he's supposed serious. to think he's a serious artist, right? Yes, correct. Okay. But Jeff Hardy attacked them anyway. Right, right. That's why. That's what's. That's what's confusing about it. Like, he's a heel. Jeff Hardy. He's a heel. But Jeff the, Hardy's. The, right. He's a heel. Yo, yeah. Jeff Hardy's supposed to be the babyface, but Jeff Hardy attacked him yeah. for playing his music on Raw, right, or SmackDown, whatever dopey show. <laughs> yeah. So you're supposed to cheer Jeff Hardy for breaking up the concert. But also, but buy then this you're album. supposed to go buy the record. Right. Okay. Right. All right. <laughs> that was the one lyric, yeah. People in the chat room turned on the ra- turned the radio on. It was playing a song I never heard before. Yeah. <laughs> like what? So he turned on the yeah. radio. They was playing a song he never heard before. A tear rolled down his eye, and that's when he knew he was human. I think is what the lyrics essentially were. So. Yeah, it's awful. It's, <laughs> it's not great. It's not great. I won't lie. Oh, I'm also not sure what I don't know what category this is supposed to be. Like you're right, it's kind of gospely, but like why? <laughs> it's not really like a Well, I mean, clearly it's a soundtrack. Two? <laughs> our lives? Is it a soundtrack to our lives? This what is, is this? This is the number one soundtrack in America, Rich. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's wrestling gospel. Are you ready for Lead Me Home? I guess so. <laughs> There's only one more left to go after Lead Me Home. So, all right, here we go. Let's Lead Me Home. All right, let's cut to the chase here, pal. Let's go. This has an electric guitar. <laughs> yes. You think he's playing it? <laughs> no. No? Ooh, okay. <laughs> wow. Every every singer in a bar writes their songs the same way, where they just take the title of the song, right? <laughs> right, right. And they say, won't you, won't you lead me home, won't you, won't you lead me home? Like, no matter what the title of the song is, you just stick won't you in front of it. Right, right, right. And then sing that over and over. Well, we talked about him as, like, the bar guy that, like, you're, you're eating, you know, you got your meal, you're maybe hanging at the bar, and all of a sudden you see a guy walk in. I don't know if you do this, because I, I absolutely do this. Like, me and my friends are at a bar. We're trying to watch a game or just hang out or whatever. And a guy walks in, and you just know that this asshole is the guy that's going to be the live music guy. Yeah. He's got an amp. He looks like a piece of shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? He looks, like an anno- he looks annoying. And you're like, oh, God damn, when the fuck this guy's going to be here? Because <laughs> like, I never want – like, people live for live music at bars. I loathe live music at bars. Yeah. I appreciate the guys doing the hustle. I get it. I'm fine with it. I just don't want to listen to it <laughs> because it's just, as you said, it's like, you know, he, he gets his fucking amp plugged in. It takes him an hour and 25 minutes to get everything set up. And you're like, oh, this mm-hmm. fucking guy. and then, you know, he strums a few times. Test, test, test. You know what I mean? Just like, oh, he's going to suck. Yeah. And then he goes, and then goes, can you take me home? And it's exactly that song. You're like, oh my God. All right. It's always that song. I've yeah. heard that song. <laughs> right. Like, I've heard that, like. If the title of that song was Stay With Me, it would be, won't you stay with me, won't you, won't you stay with me? It's always the same shit. It's just, it's a, it's the generic song template that these kind of guys play. They got a beard that has their fucking lunch all stuck in it. They look like they haven't showered since fucking 2017. Right, he's wearing a stocking cap even though it's August. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's just, you know, you just... You know his feet stink if he takes <laughs> off his boots. You know, that kind of guy. That's who this is. You know, it, it, it's always the same generic shit. And, I, and that leads me to believe that he really wrote this stuff. I'd like to see the writing credits, but it's so bad that I'm sure the pro wrestler wrote these awful. Yeah, I wonder. I, I wonder if he had a ghostwriter, if that was him, uh, indeed, that wrote these. So, Well, I just, look at how bad they are. Of course he wrote them. <laughs> This is Amazing Grace. I mean, I don't know if this is a cover of previous Amazing Graces or an original Amazing Grace, but we're going to find out right now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Background singers. I know, the background singers are really bad. They should have just not done those. Like, if they didn't do those... I mean, it wouldn't have helped. I've had it... enough. I've had enough. Okay, all right, all right. Get it off. 
Had enough. You're tapping out. Remake. Oh, hold on. Yeah, it's terrible. I don't want to listen to this. Listen to the drums, though. Dun, dun. I don't want to listen to the drums. <laughs> well, that is uh, it's WWE Universal Truth, available on Spotify and Apple Music. So, so that's just a straight-up cover. Uh, I think so. <laughs> yeah, that appears the way Well, he really put his own spin on it. That's for sure. He really did. I've yeah, never, he uh, uh, he added those those drums. I, honestly, the, the background singers uh, again, it's not good. It's terrible. The background singers make it worse because it, it comes across way cheesier with the background singers, right? Who's the market for this? That is, that's a very good question. I'm not sure because you call it wrestling this, gospel, like, but like no gospel people are ever going to listen to this because they don't need this. They have good gospel music to listen to, or they have, I don't even know that, I don't even know what the gospel genre is right now, but I'm sure that they don't need this asshole doing gospel songs for them. So it's not them. Who's purchasing this? Who's purchasing this to listen to it for pleasure? That's not a family member of Elias? Yeah. You know what, you know what's incredible is, you know, Paul Levesque, Mr. Triple H. Do you think you listen to one fucking second of this album? I think he probably did. I don't think he listened to the whole thing, though. Well, no one, no. You listen I think, to he, got through, I, I think he got through a minute and a half of amen, parentheses, I'm going in, and then decided, you know what? I'm going. <laughs> yeah, you listen to like 30 seconds of each one. I'm going to listen to Megadeth instead. So, you know, whatever, Paul Levesque. I'm going to go listen to Poppy again, so... Poppy. NXT superstar Poppy. Uh, Austin 98 pop for uh, Poppy on uh, NXT Halloween Havoc. Did you hear that pop this week? Well, they had the, I put the, the title on crowd juice. They had the crowd juiced up for everything. I mean, Michael no, Hayes I think, no, got that enormous No, pop. I think that Poppy, that Poppy pop was legit. So people What the fuck jumping, is a Poppy to begin with? <laughs> people jumping up and down. Oh my God, Poppy is here in NXT and she's going to do a concert? Am I supposed to know who Poppy is? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who Poppy is either, to be honest. So. Is there some kind of K-pop artist? Like, what is it? What is it is definitely not a K-pop artist, uh, Poppy. But well, what, what, <laughs> oh what, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I looked up Elias Universal Truth because I was going to try to dunk on uh, people that were actually talking about this album and call them out. Yeah. Um, the first tweet that comes up, just it's just Chef's Kiss Perfect. It says the 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 link. It, it's a link to the the Apple Music link to Universal Truth, and the caption says "For the Drifting Soul." For the Drifting Soul. Okay. Uh, he used to be the well, he's the drifter. Yeah. The author of this tweet, and a man who I think legitimately would listen to this song, listen to this album, and enjoy it, yeah. in earnest, enjoy it. At WWE Bray Wyatt. You know what? He, he thinks it's great, right? Yeah, he's got it on repeat. Yeah, he's, he's like just... Elias, pal. Good. Uh, JoJo and I were listening, and we love it. <laughs> like, JoJo yeah. doesn't love it, by the way. But, you know, she's yeah. rocking the baby to sleep, and Bray's just like, wow, this is really good, isn't it, hon? He's like, yeah, 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 it's great. <laughs> like... He thinks the lyrics are great. Right, he right. He's like, I'm coming home, too, is what Bray Wyatt says. <laughs> right. He loves it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. He what? 
he wants Elias to to join the uh, the Wyatt family, so they could all go home together. Him and Eli Cottonwood, the whole gang. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He he loves the you know he loves those lyrics. He might have wrote those lyrics. It's very uh, Bray Wyatt esque. I am Elias WWE says thank you everybody who made this possible. We made history last night in under twenty four hours, hitting the number one spot in our category. <laughs> Again, this, what is it a soundtrack? Number one iTunes soundtrack chart. Uh, this speaks to the power of Elias and the power of universal truth that everybody knows deep in their hearts. Oh, if that doesn't tug at the strings, Joe. Okay, what's the number two Yeah, I got to find out what else is on the iTunes <laughs> soundtrack chart. Let's see if I can actually get to this here. Um, this reminds me of when we put out the book, and it's like number one in Japanese pro wrestling <laughs> right, books. Right. On. <laughs> no, no, no. We actually there was what there no a, a few times ago we were, um, we were number one for like a few days. Then we were number two, and then we were you know we we always hang around the top five. The fetish, the wrestling fetish things get just destroy us. Those do really yeah. well. Like it's always great. Yeah. Like if you, if you don't know, if people don't know to kind of peel back the curtain, we do screenshots of those. Not because we think it's actually cool that we're like number three in, you know, Kindle eBooks dash sports dash wrestling. Cause it like, it doesn't really matter again. We just yeah. love it that it's like fiery firefighters, like fisting, you know, like, you know, like number seven or like wrestling with desire. We're like, you know, we're next to that. It's, it's just, it's incredible. I Listen, I got to read. Fiery fighter fighters fisting now. That sounds very erotic. It sounds kind of hot, doesn't it? Fiery firefighters fisting. I don't think you made that one up. That's got to be that, real. I, I'm, I'm almost yeah. No, I think we've seen all these. You know, on on the the Kindle store. But yeah, wrestling slash individual sports is is just it's very often filled uh, with some pretty uh very uh interesting stuff. Yeah, so it's like a Jim Ross book. Death of WCW, us, and then, yeah, a bunch of erotica, <laughs> wrestling erotica. Okay. Yeah. I have the uh, I have the top soundtrack music charts, which, by the way, what a fucking liars. They're number six right now, but that's fine. So they're not even number one. They're not even number one anymore because they've been passed up by Frozen 2, which has probably right. been one or two in the charts for... When did Frozen 2 come out? You probably know better. I, I, you would probably know more than I would about... I don't Fucking, oh, come, Mandel, really? Right? You don't know anything about Frozen 2? The two kids? No, I, you know, they watch it, but I don't, I don't remember when it came okay. out, but um, there's no way it was outselling that. There's not a fucking yeah. chance. Uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas, that is number two now, which that movie came out in 1994 or whatever. So. I guess people, well, it's Halloween time. <laughs> right, right. So people are excited again about that. So that's yeah. fine. That's fair. Uh, Julie and the Phantom Season 1. So apparently a Netflix project right. that I'm not aware of. Uh, the Greatest Showman. The, uh, it's a movie, I guess. I don't know. If I, I don't watch movies, so I don't know anything. The Greatest Showman. The what Greatest the Showman. I don't know. That is Hugh Jackman in it, apparently. So it's a Hugh Jackman vehicle. Yeah. yeah. What is this? It's got. A, is that some theater bullshit? I th- probably. Yeah. That's the why Greatest Showman. It. I gotta pull it. No, it's a movie. Twenty seventeen. We're really up on the pop culture, right? <laughs> um. Apparently, it's a P.T. Barnum biopic. Oh. Ooh, okay. All right. All right. So. That sounds kind of interesting, actually. So. No, it doesn't. Okay. You'll never watch that. <laughs> then uh, number five is Guardians of the Galaxy Awesome Mix Volume 1. Yeah, and then and then, and the then last. WWE Universal Truth, the EP. Which, by the Again, way, they're I... selling the EP for two ninety nine. The rest of these are eleven ninety nine and five ninety nine and ten ninety nine. But yeah, that's fine. You know. Again, I contend that this is not a soundtrack. That's number one. <laughs> right, the rest of these are clearly soundtracks. 
Yeah. Why isn't this just listed under folk or because it's genreless like though? It's just it, it. It's your brain. It's your mind. It's your life, Joe. How do you? How do you? How do you attach a genre to amen parentheses? I'm going in. You can't. It's genreless. It's all things for all people. It's for the drifting soul. And it's all, it's also not even number one. No, but it's not, not even number one. They said it was number one. <laughs> Maybe it was yesterday, but now right? it's it's not anymore. So, so that was a lie. Too. No, I'm sure that they were full of shit. I don't think it was ever beating Frozen Two. There's uh yeah some other uh, the top ten. You have a uh, Trolls World Tour coming in at seven. That will probably pass up. Oh, let me let me try. Oh that. Let me tell you about let me tell you about the Trolls World Tour. I yeah. have to endure that every day. Oh, That's wow. the movie they're watching every single day now. Is Trolls World Tour? Yes. Um, is West Side Story in the top? Uh, West Side Story is not. I was going to say the Rocky Horror Picture Show is, is 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 vaulting up the list right now. It's at ten. I'd imagine in the next few days, probably. Uh, it passes up old WWE. How about that? Universal Truth. So, how about guy? How about Guys and Dolls? We got a little Guys and Dolls. Guys and Dolls isn't, but you will find this interesting. Number 18, Grease. Grease is up there at number 18. Grease? Okay. All right. No Grease 2, though, huh? Okay. Fair enough. So that's the top soundtracks. So, yep. Little Fiddler on the Roof, maybe? (laughs) I don't think Fiddler on the Roof roof, uh, was listed, unfortunately. So. No. Cats, maybe cats. You know, I closed out, but probably cats. I, I I don't know, but I would say there's a pretty good chance cats is probably still up there. So, you know, the big hit from Cats, Rich, is Memories. I don't. I've never seen Cats, and I really don't want to. So, you don't enjoy Memory? That's a big hit. You don't know that one? No. Nah. You want me to sing it for you? Uh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, please. Memories. <laughs> um. I don't know the next thing. You know the song. I, <laughs> I, I don't. don't the I don't know this. I have zero idea of this. I have never seen a second I, of Cats on you fucking. You don't need to listen to me. You don't need to have seen Cats to know the song Memory. No, I don't. I've never heard Barbara of it. Streisand. I've literally never heard of it. Never. That's, uh, I believe that's, am I even correct about that? Yeah, Memories is the big hit from Cats. And Barbara Streisand sings the most popular. Come on, you know that song. You got to know that song. If you don't know that song, I, I... <laughs> memory all alone in the moonlight. You don't know that song. I don't. I don't. Yes, you do. I don't. I promise. You're gonna play it on play your phone. Right okay, go ahead. We'll see. How do you not know memories from cats? Hold on. Hold on. Okay. All right. <laughs> I gotta let the ad play. Hold on. Do you want me to play it? I have a speaker right here. Do you want me to play it here? Hold on. I got it. Okay. All right. There's another ad. Hold on. <laughs> We're plugging this way. Who are these assholes getting a free plug on our show? I don't think I've ever heard this in my life. Oh, you're a liar. I don't think I've ever heard it. Why would I have heard this? This is not the Barbara Streisand version. Which is, but this is just some dope from the play. But <laughs> how long is this going to go on for? I don't. I've never heard it. 
Listen. You legit. Okay, kind of sounds. Okay, all right. It kind of sounds familiar now. You're gonna get buried by everyone for not knowing. I don't this. care. This yeah, cat is ridiculous, though. Um, that's singing this. Let me give it a stride. How is this cat ridiculous? How is the cat ridiculous? It's, a, it's a ridiculous looking cat. I mean, it doesn't really even look like a cat. That might be. Is that from the movie? Maybe that movie was atrocious, from what I understand. Um, no, you listen. That's that's Barbara Streisand. You got to know that song. People are going to be very. Uh, what are we doing here anyway? What is this? <laughs> no, this show is. It's not great. Yeah, we're we're an hour in, and I don't know what the hell we've done. We've bitched about Kenny Omega and listened to Elias, and now we're talking about cats. So it's um. Hey, have you seen cats? Are you a big cats fan? Did you go to Broadway and see cats? I've never been to Broadway, okay. and I never will. <laughs> it's not my thing. But I'm just saying, like, you know, remember, that's a that's a big time mm-hmm. song. You need to know that. What about Hamilton had to be up there, right? Don't people aren't people? Uh, people yeah, I didn't see Hamilton? I didn't see it on the list, surprisingly. So maybe it's finally after four years falling off the uh, the list. I think people are, are excited about Halloween, so I think those Halloween soundtracks are coming up. And then like Frozen and, and, and Trolls just are always up there, probably, because Hamilton fucking stinks. You couldn't drag me to Hamilton. <laughs> who cares about Alexander Hamilton? I mean, who really? I mean, I'm gonna watch a play about Alexander Hamilton. I mean, why? Why on earth would I ever do that? A musical about Alexander Hamilton. How the hell did that blow up and get so big to begin with? It did, man. I, I, I walked by the theater in Chicago that has it, and there's, like, on any given time, there's 100 people waiting outside. I don't even know what they're doing. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't even know, I, like, I don't know if they have tickets. They're trying to buy tickets. They're trying to get in. I have no idea. There's just always 100 people outside the theater waiting to do something near the theater. I don't know what. Yeah. Like, I, all right, I, yeah. I just walk around them and go, you know, yeah, all right. <laughs> like, cool. I mean, as soon as, here's the problem with Hamilton. As soon as I say, well, hold on a second. What's that about? Oh, it's about Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> you lost me. That's well, it's it. A, it's a, it's a hip hop version of the story of Alexander Hamilton though, Joe. Rich, I don't care. It could be <laughs> any version you want. It's Alexander Hamilton. Why would I have any interest in that whatsoever? Like, <laughs> I don't give a shit. More of a burr guy. More of a burr guy. That, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care about either one of those men. Okay. So it's like. I don't know, but you know, people love that shit. You know, Lin Manuel Miranda is that yeah, the fellas? I name? think so. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of yeah. all all the um, all the plays I've ever been to in my life. It's not. It won't take too long to re- remember them. I, I did see Book of Mormon. Uh, I got dragged to that. That was fine. Um, hmm, that might be. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other ones I've been to that I wasn't I saw, forced yeah. to for a school reason. You know what I mean? Or like you're dating somebody and they're in the play and you got to go type stuff. Um, but I'm sure Joe didn't date any uh theater oh. types. Nah. Never. Um I saw a community theater rendition of Footloose once. Ooh, okay. How was that? It was horrendous. <laughs> it was terrible. What do you mean, how was it? You really had to ask? <laughs> I think I saw Annie Got Your Gun. Or what is it? Seen. What's it called? Annie Got Your Gun, isn't that the name Annie of it? Or Annie Got a Gun, right? Huh? Annie Got a Gun, I think is that the name of the one? I've seen that, I think. I got dragged to that. That was, I don't know, Annie Oakley, Buffalo Bill, Annie Wild Oakley. West. Yeah, it was. I didn't get your gun. It was pretty terrible. I don't it's a lady in a hat shooting people. No, that was what was going on. So that's... Nah, when I was when I was in high school, I uh, I had a, a my 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 summer job was uh, uh, scooping Italian ice for an Italian ice. 
Okay. Are you familiar with the Italian ice? Or is that I'm aware Jersey? of what Italian ice is, Joe. Yes. No, some people don't. In Texas, no one knows what it is. That's true. So yeah, I'm, that's I'm, right. I, no, I, I am, I am, I am very well aware of, of the difference. And, and it's not a fucking – some people think Italian ice is like, a, you know, a, a slushy or like a snow cone. Snow and it's cone. not. It's not at all. No. Okay, so that's why I'm asking. I don't know. Some parts of the country, they don't know what Italian I'm, ice is. I'm well aware. Is, Unfortunately, so. I'm well aware because I, I love it and I'm fat and then I eat it too much. I, so, no, I know. My summer job was scooping Italian ice, and and we had to. One of the stands we had set up was at the community theater, so I saw the community theater performance of Footloose about seventeen times that summer, <laughs> and then it switched over halfway through the summer to Dracula. So those are the only two, um, uh, you know, live theater experiences that I've had, and yeah, obviously they were both terrible. I mean, you know, they were just. They were irredeemably bad. I mean, you know, people flubbing lines, and it was just, it was, it was horrible. <laughs> trying to live their dream. It's like indie wrestling, Joe. They're trying to live their dream out there. Come on. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and maybe it's just because I <laughs> there wasn't any WrestleMania main eventers. There wasn't any Broadway main eventers at that community theater. Doing nah, footloose. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. There wasn't a guy I, that you just immediately were like, ah, that guy, that guy's gonna be something. He's got it. There wasn't an, uh, an it guy out there. I, I don't know if I could name five, like, Broadway, current Broadway stars to begin with. I don't know. Like, one. Yeah. Like, who, who, who are the big Tony winners this year? Like, you... <laughs> You're asking me, yes. All right, Joe. Oh, you, you, I, I never thought you'd ask. Okay. Uh, oh, I saw Wizard <laughs> right. of Oz. I saw Wizard of Oz live, too, once. That was it seems like you've seen a lot of plays, Rich. I think I have. Now I'm kind of thinking in my head. I feel like I have seen quite a few, so. Yeah, you've seen a lot of this shit. You, so I think you are a secret uh, theater head. <laughs> is that what they call it theater head <laughs> i don't know i mean there's probably like there's probably things. a term for it right that we just don't know i mean like you know instead of a barricade slapper that's like you know a, i don't know i don't even know what's wrong with theater head i mean if you like head, no it works theater. i just think there's probably already a term you know what i mean and we're and we're just not doing it properly but i'd rather be a theater head than a sneaker head that one i'll never understand just oh, the sneakerheads! Yeah, that's that's wild, dude. I I went to uh, I was at a, a a shop like kind of like a, a you know strip mall or whatever last weekend, and the the line outside of the Nike store, I'm not kidding, Joe, was 500 people deep. You couldn't park. We couldn't go. We couldn't do anything because there was. And I have no I in in my, no earthly idea what they were waiting for. What shoe was out? Who like no idea whatsoever. 500 people, and it was cold. It was we. It was raining. It was cold. It was just miserable. And these people looked like they've been out there for hours on end, and I'm just like, "All right, that's cool." Like, Maybe they had Hamilton tickets there. <laughs> Maybe they did. Only reveal what the Nike store. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It looked like the same misery that those the, the Hamilton people are, you know, as they're waiting to get in and or buy tickets or whatever they're trying to do. So, why would you have to sit outside to get in like that? You know, that, that never. Made, okay. Anyway, you ready to talk about like actual stuff <laughs> instead of whatever like, we're talking about now? Hamilton can't be that good. <laughs> To where people need to like desperately wait outside for these tickets for hours on end. Like, it can't. How good could it possibly be? Like, even by theater standards. I, guess I know have nothing to find about out. Someone's gonna have to buy tickets for us, and then you and I, Joe. It's on the Disney Plus, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's on Disney Plus now. You're gonna watch Hamilton." I'm like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> no." They're like, "Why not?" I'm like, "No." A better question is why. Yeah. Like right. why? Like why on earth would I ever watch that? Ever. Of course, the answer is no. You know, so it's like I, I, I turn it around. I'm like, 
I don't know. You're going to watch ECW Hardcore Heaven 95? <laughs> right, right. And they're a- like, I'm Amazon gonna... Prime has old uh, UWFI. You're going to watch that? Yeah. They're like, Vulcan? no. Like, they're like, why would I watch that? And I'm like, well, that's yeah. now you understand. So like, Tamura's, have... Tamura's quest to, uh, to score higher points on that given night? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, now you get it. I have no fucking interest. <laughs> right. And never will, for as long as I live, have any interest in watching that. So it's like, no. Uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to watch through Sopranos for the ninth time. That's what I'm going to watch. I'm not going to watch <laughs> Hamilton. Right. It's never happening. Okay? So, all right. Anyway, yeah, this is a it. wrestling show. It is a wrestling presume- show. It is a wrestling show, presumably. But, Joe, I have one more question for you. It's not related oh, to Elias. I, it's yeah, not related to Elias, I promise. If you're going to start playing Elias songs again, it's, I got to check out. I can't. It's not. Well, it's not the worst idea to play uh, as, as background noise to this. But, Joe, what season is it? Oh, I know the answer to this one. It's winning season. It No, it doesn't say that, but we'll go with it anyway. It is winning season. Between the NFL, college football, and more, there is no shortage of games to watch. And with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events, you can turn the game day in to payday and that's with mybookie.ag if you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites show as you love to do uh consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting but more importantly they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into real money makers but again though the important part we were i'm joking aside you're an underdog guy right you love playing the dogs is that correct take the points Take the points. What, what, what bets have you did? What did you do last weekend? Did you do pretty well? I laid low last weekend. I had just chill? one. I had one play last weekend. Um, I hit it on Monday night, but it wasn't. Uh, uh, it, it wasn't a line. I played uh, uh, under a certain amount of yardage for a receiver on the Bears, and I hit that play. Otherwise, I didn't play anything. I wish I had a more exotic story for you. That's a real right scumbag. Now. Yeah, that's a real scumbag bet you made. There. I'm not gonna lie. That's. <laughs> yeah, like, you, I, you bet nothing. But I don't think you know who, who was the, who was the Bears receiver that you, Allen Robinson. Bet the under on you. Bet the under on him. Under seventy two and a half yards. <laughs> that's a that's a real scumbag hours uh, bet there. But I appreciate that. I like I like that of all the options that you have. This mybookie.ag's got every single game, every single line you could ever want. Presidential TV. Any sport going on in the world, and you see Allen Robinson and go, yeah, he's going to get under seventy two point five yards. I'm going to put that down. <laughs> Well, I mean, I figured Jalen Ramsey would be shadowing him all game, and I knew the Rams would put pressure on. Yeah, on, and the uh, Bears stink, so that's, on, that's a good uh, bet. Don't be Nick Foles. Like, yeah, I have no respect for Nick Foles. <laughs> None. Terrible. I mean, so you, you know, he had seventy yards. I mean, I had to sweat it out. But listen, Rich, a win's a win. It a doesn't win. matter if you hit your play by two and a half yards or fifty yards. The money comes in the cash register. Cha-ching! And you're a winner. It's all that matters. Yeah, money's so all I the same. Money's all the same. If it's 70 right. or, or, or 15 yards, doesn't matter. Uh, so, again, don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value. Uh, the thing about the NFL and college football are that underdogs are never really dogs on Saturday and Sunday. Every team truly has a chance to win, and you do too. Game spread, 
championship futures, player prop bets, all that stuff is out there. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet, just as you did there. You understand Jalen Ramsey, you know Nick Foles stinks, you know the Bears stink, and you've made some money there. Everybody else can do that as well. You sign up at mybookie.ag, and when you do, you use our promo code VOW. That's VOW, the promo code, to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to $1,000. So we've explained this over the last few weeks, but if you put $1,000 in, MyBookie, for some reason, will also give you $1,000. If you put $500 in, MyBookie will match that complete and give you $500. A dollar for dollar match in the deposits, but only if you use that promo code VOW. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That, once again, is promo code VOW to claim your bonus when you make your deposits, stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at mybookie.ag. And don't forget the promo code VOW. So, all right. Ready to talk wrestling? Yeah. Kind of? <laughs> sort of. Let's... You want a WWE? Oh, no, actually, no, we got an unfortunate. Yeah, I know. Before we get to Hell in a Cell, before we get to Hell in a Cell, I completely forgot it. Thank God we didn't forget about this. Uh, an unfortunate bit of news from this week uh, the passing of Tracy Smothers, Nashville, Italy's finest resident ever, Tracy Smothers. What are your memories of Tracy Smothers? Wild Eyes Southern Boy, Tracy Smothers. Oh, I watched his entire career. Freddie Joe Floyd, as, as many articles said. Former WWE wrestler Freddie Joe Floyd passes away, yes. Yeah, I mean, I watched um, basically his entire career start to finish in real time, um, with the exception of some of the super early years, like when he got started in Memphis and stuff like that. Like, obviously, you know, in 1984, I wasn't watching live Memphis to see, uh, you know, Tracy Smothers doing jobs. But, um, you know, starting from the late 80s on, I I pretty much watched his entire career play out. So, yeah. I, mean, I can walk you through his whole career if you want. Yeah, do I mean, it because because you, you know I, I I my entry point into Tracy Smothers was ECW uh, as a member of the FBI and and I didn't yeah. quite get the joke immediately. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was just like that guy doesn't really look Italian, and I'm sure he is. <laughs> like why would they say he's a fully blooded Italian if he wasn't? Like I didn't. I was I was like 11 or 12 when I first started watching you know ECW. So I didn't quite get the joke there uh, with the fully blooded Italians, but uh, that Rich. that was my entry point of uh, yes. Go ahead. Uh, jt smith wasn't your tip-off <laughs> no, i don't think really... i don't think jt smith was in it i think i came in during the uh um i don't, I don't tommy remember rich if, i don't know if those guys were all in there when i was i i'm like a late 97 early 98 fbi guy were they still all there at that time jt smith may not have been so you were you were little guido tracy smothers tommy rich yes um ulf herman uh, <laughs> Ulf should have been a good giveaway, yes. <laughs> Herman the German, yeah. Yeah, I did, uh, yeah. But you know, when you saw Big Sally and 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 and, and little Guido or Nunzio, or he was Guido, right? Yeah, like yeah, Guido and Big Sally, like you don't need anybody else. You're like, yeah, they're fully blood Italians. Look at those guys. Like they clearly are. I had no idea. It didn't matter what the other guys were, the peripheral guys or whatever. Look at the there's a big giant Italian guy and a small Italian guy on his shoulders. I'm good. I got it. I get the joke, but I didn't get the joke actually. So Yeah, it was originally JT Smith and and little Guido and you know they would come to the ring to fly me to the moon by Frank Sinatra do you need me to play that one for you oh uh, no I know that one yeah I know that one. but yeah JT J. Smith was a pretty good giveaway that he may not have been uh fully blooded Italian but uh that we know yeah. of. we don't know for sure but uh yeah I don't I don't think so <laughs> That's... yeah but uh then it, you know JT Smith um you know left a 
I guess stopped working for ECW after a while. And, yeah, and then Tracy Smothers and Tommy Rich came in. Yeah, the idea was obviously that they weren't really Italian. But um, no, I mean, he, he got started in Memphis and he he worked a little for Mid-South as a job guy as well. But where he got his first big break was in the late 80s, probably um, 87-ish, 88-ish in Florida because that's where he hooked up with Steve Armstrong and formed the Southern Boys. So their big feud in Florida was with the New Breed, who I know you're very familiar oh, yes. with. Yeah, yeah. So they feuded with the New Breed, and there were some other teams that ended up with Crockett in Florida at that time, like underneath teams like the Mod Squad, um, teams like that. And um, was it the Mod Squad? I know for a fact they wrestled the New Breed a bunch of times, and I'm pretty sure, um, yeah, Mod Squad uh, were in Florida at that time as well. I just pulled up, I just pulled that up to confirm it. I don't need people jumping in our Twitter mentions six days from now when they listen to this. Um, so that's where the Southern Boys formed, and and then New Breed went to Crockett, right around what I guess that would have been what Rich like eighty eight, eighty nine, where New Breed. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, I, I, it wasn't yeah eighty eight, eighty nine, somewhere in that range. I forget exactly the, the the year, but it was definitely the last yeah the last vestige of of the NWA before uh, everything got moved over. And the Southern Boys went to Continental, and obviously Steve Armstrong had connections in Continental already. Because obviously being part of the Armstrong family. So he had been there before. And he went and formed his tag team with Smothers. Came back with Smothers as the Southern Boys. And they got a pretty good push in Continental for a while. That would have been around 1988. And in fact, we talked about a match they had against the Nightmares in Continental on this show. Remember, I made you watch that match. Mm -hmm. The Southern Boys versus the Nightmares, which is a very underrated tag match from Continental. I don't remember. It's, it may have been on YouTube or Daily Motion. Who knows if it's still floating around out there. But a great match with two very underrated tag teams. The Southern Boys um, eventually would end up in WCW, so they would gain some notoriety. The Nightmares, though, you know, they, they were a Continental team. They wrestled a little bit in Memphis as underneath guys, but, you know, they got their biggest push in Continental. But um, very good team, the Nightmares. Very underrated, ahead of their time with a lot of their offense. And the Southern Boys were an excellent tag team because Smothers was a great worker. Yeah, tremendous. And and so was Steve Armstrong. Those guys were really good workers. And they were an excellent team. And they, they got booked in New Japan uh, throughout 88 and 89. And they didn't get, you know, they weren't pushed in New Japan. But they worked a lot of tours in new Japan in 88 and 89 and smothers continued to get booked in new Japan through 1990 without Armstrong. He went, he, he would go back as a single. And then later on in 90 is when WCW brought in the Southern boys yeah. as a tag team, which is probably where a lot of our listeners and really most people would have picked. That's where you would have picked up with Tracy Smothers career. That's where he was most visible for the first time. And arguably where he's probably still his most high-profile run is probably that Southern Boys slash Young Pistols run in WCW because they were there for about three or four years. And, you know, about halfway through the run, they changed, they, they changed their name from the Southern Boys to the Young Pistols. And, you know, they, they toned down the Southern imagery and they, start, and they build them from Wyoming. 
when what they changed their name to the Young Pistols and started billing them from Wyoming, and sort of made them like a a Western, like a old, like an old school, like uh, like an old West. Act. Yeah, they were like the smoking guns. They were basically the smoking guns before the smoking guns were the smoking guns. Very similar. Instead of being Confederate sympathizers, and I don't think it was because like. Now, being a Confederate sympathizer and, and rocking the stars and bars, that's not going to fly anywhere. Because, you know, 30 years ago, uh, it was a little different. Now you can't do that gimmick. Because, you know, society, you know, evolves and changes, mostly for the better. And I don't think they changed from the from, from the southern boys the wild-eyed southern boys to the young pistols because to a wcw house show in the meadowlands and one of the matches was the southern boys against arn anderson and barry windham of the four horsemen and the southern boy and i I think i've told this story before but i'm going to tell it again because it's relevant today so the southern boys were the baby faces in this match because they didn't turn heel until they were the young pistols so but New Jersey and the Northeast, that's fucking, it's a crowd full of smarks. We're all horsemen fans. So the horsemen were the de facto baby faces there because we all cheered for the horsemen. Now, five minutes into this match, the wrestlers in the ring recognized that this was going to be a horseman town. And there were horsemen towns all over the place because the horsemen were cool. So in a lot of these towns WCW would go to, even though the horsemen were heels, the fans would cheer for the horsemen. And this was New Jersey in 1991. No one was no one was rallying behind the wild-eyed southern. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> and so we were all rooting for the horsemen. But they were such good workers, the four of them, that they recognized it very early on in the match. And they changed the way they worked about. Right? One spot that I'll never forget. It's burned into my brain. Um... I don't remember if it was Smothers or Armstrong, but they got whipped into the ropes. And Arn ran down the apron and lifted up his knee. You know that spot? Oh, of and course. Then the baby face, yeah. And the baby face eats the knee while Wyndham's distracting the ref. But the crowd erupted. Like, we went nuts. <laughs> like, and Arn turned around and he did like that little, not a fist pump, but you know the, you know the little fist pump deal where you pull, the, where you pull your fist back next to your waist? That move. You know the move I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, like, I got it. I did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I'm doing it now. Nobody can Form. see. I'm sitting. But you know I'm yeah. doing it. I'm doing it right now. Form a fist and just pull it back next to your waist. Like, yeah. I mean, do it kind of like, quickly, so though. Arn, you can't do it. You can't be, like, very pronounced. It's got to be just kind of like a little, yeah. <laughs> you know, like. No, it's like three or four quick ones, right? Three or four quick ones. So Arn lands this this knee to smothers back. And then he does like the little fist pump and it was the biggest pop of the night. So from that point forward, they just, it's like, um, and then, you know, smothers and Armstrong were good enough workers to where, you know, they're flipping off the crowd mid match. You know, they're doing that move, you know, the move where you, you extend your one arm over the other arm that's crossed like the, the up yours maneuver with the hands, right? So they're doing that to the crowd and playing up to the fact that this crowd was just going to cheer for the horseman that night. And that was easily the best match of the night. Um, I'll pull up the card later and we'll read off the card. But uh, but I think, getting back to my point, I think they changed their name because it was just one of those things where they wanted to be national 
and the wild-eyed Southern boys just weren't going to play everywhere. You know what I mean? So the Young Pistols was a was a bit more palatable of a name, but they ended up turning them heel anyway. But for most of that run, they 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 faced the Freebirds a million times. They faced the Freebirds on like three or four different Clash of the Champions. But their most famous match, of course, was the Great American Bash 90 against the Midnight Express. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this was the Eaton and Stan Lane version of the Midnight Express. Correct. Yeah, this is an all-time match, And that's match, a match that everybody listening yeah. should go watch. Yeah, if you're that's listening to this right matches. now, if you're listening yeah. to this right now, all-time. WWE Network, I'm sure you can find it illegally if you really want to, but it's on the WWE Network, easy to find, Great American Bash 90. Uh, go out of your way to watch it, for sure. I mean, just just do it. Just after the show, tomorrow, whatever, do it. It is all-time great all-time great tag match and, and and holds up as well too i've seen it i i, I watched it many yeah. many years ago and i watched it not that long ago and it's still fucking great it's not like oh well you had to be there oh you know 1990 you know things were different no it's still good today in 2020 i promise no it's a great match off the charts heat all of that um but then they go heel the young pistols go heel and you know by 92 armstrong leaves first and he leaves Smothers behind because Smothers then stick, stuck around for a while as as the young pistol Tracy Smothers. But he was a, basically used as an enhancement guy at that point. So he didn't stick around much longer. Armstrong left for WWF where he had his Lance Cassidy run, which obviously was not a success. Um, so that was through late 92 and early 93 for Armstrong. And that was really it for Steve Armstrong. He went back to WCW. Uh, well, he went to Smoky Mountain, mm-hmm. which is where Smothers ended up as well. Smothers went to Smoky Mountain straight from WCW and got a substantial push there. He was a top guy. He was a big deal. Yeah, there's a lot of if – you, if you go back and watch any Smoky Mountain and, – and again, people always ask, oh, is it on the network? And there is some Smoky Mountain on the network, but don't get excited. It's like – a bunch of random episodes that feature Chris Jericho, and that's it. Like it's 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 the the catalog that they have is not very good uh, for Smoky Mountain because I know like I, I sometimes fall into that trap too, where I you know I'm, I'm scrolling through WWE Network and I see Smoky Mountain, I'm like, all right, here we go, and it's just like no, it, it, it's just random episodes, meaningless episodes, not a bunch in a row. It, it, it was they did a Chris Jericho thing, and then and they popped up a few Smoky Mountain episodes on there. But yeah, do not get excited. Uh, when you see Smoky Mountain, but there there is other ways to 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 watch the the run of Smoky Mountain, and and there's some really yeah there's some really really good stuff with Tracy Smothers there, like big time stuff too. He he's main eventing with Chris Candido. He's he's a big part of that. I mean that that I mean not not like you know fame wise not his biggest run, but like I would say probably his 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 top run is like a you know in terms of of, of position on the card. Would you agree? No, it's his biggest push without question. Right, right. His biggest push without question is Smoky Mountain. From 92 to about, I guess, when they closed. Um, and, and again, Armstrong left and went to WWF. So Smothers ended up in Smokey first, but Armstrong ended up um, having a little Smokey. He came back. He ended up in Smoky Mountain, too, after the WWF thing didn't really work. But they never really came back together to form that tag team. But, um, yeah, definitely the biggest push of Tracy Smothers' career. Smoky Mountain folds. Um, now, in between, you know, he worked a lot of Japan smothers. He worked for um, a lot of the deathmatch groups. He worked in all Japan. Um, and remember, he had worked in New Japan early on in his career. So he really worked all over the place in Japan, too. This was not a guy who ever struggled to get bookings. No, no. I remember, I remember one time. 
I remember one time popping up and, and, and seeing just like a random ass, like it was some something 1993. I forget exactly the month or whatever. I'm sure you can find it if you look for it. Well, I don't know anymore. You know, so many things have gotten taken down as of late. Uh, but I remember, you know, as, as I was kind of making my All Japan rewatch, uh, a match. Yeah, okay, I, I found it. September 5th, 1993. Jun Akiyama, Kenta and Masawa versus Stan Hansen, Ted DiBiase, and Tracy Smothers. It's just like... Yeah, no, yeah, he pops up like like he had the... Those all Japan tours in the mid '90s, and he had all those New Japan tours in the late '80s, early yeah. '90s, and and then he also worked for like IWA Japan, and right, he right, for, right, right. You know, later on, he went to FMW and he worked for Wing, and he did a lot of the deathmatch stuff too. So you know, he was in demand there in the early to mid '90s, all over the world. You know, in between those, the you know that the, the Smoky Mountain run, so. Um, and he was a big deal in Smokey, and you know he had the tag team with Dirty White Boy. I think he feuded with Dirty White Boy. He was in the title mix a lot of the time, but then it folded, and he ended up being one of the guys who Cornette got booked into WWF as the television enhancement guys, along with Dirty White Boy, who became TL Hopper, and Alex Porto, who was the pug, and um, Bill Irwin as the goon, and and. Smothers came in as Freddie Joe Floyd. So that was, it's just a jobber role and it didn't last. And from there he ended up in ECW and that's where, you know, Rich picked up on his career with the FBI thing. And really he was a regular for ECW, a full timer working every show, uh, basically for the next three years. Um, Didn't stick around. Well, you know, there was also a Memphis run after Smokey closed because he came in with some of the Smokey guys and did sort of like a pseudo invasion angle. And that was kind of a big deal. And uh, so there was that Memphis run that I shouldn't overlook either before he ended up with um, WWF as Freddie Joe Floyd, which was just, you know, like I said, just a jobber role like the rest of those guys. Um you know, not really totally unlike the Lance Cassidy role for Steve Armstrong a few years earlier, although I think they had plans to push him. He just never caught on. Right. And Steve Armstrong, that was just a bad fit for 1992 WWF, Steve Armstrong, you know, so and the Lance Cassidy gimmick just it just didn't work and he didn't last. And um, so Smothers went to ECW and from there, Armstrong went to WCW where he teamed with um, with his brother Scott on all of the B and C shows for like five, six years. I mean, they had steady employment for a long time, Scott and Steve Armstrong. I mean, they were on every episode of like WCW Pro and Worldwide and they never got pushed. And they'd get on Nitro every now and then to do jobs. But Armstrong went in that direction and Smothers went to ECW, and really they parted ways forever at that point. So he had the ECW run Smothers did with the FBI that we talked about earlier. And he would make sporadic appearances in WWF. Every now and then he'd be on like Shotgun Saturday Night. Yeah, jacked, or... Velocity, like that that level is where I remember yeah. seeing him a few times pop up. And he wasn't treated like a total jobber. He would, you know, basically what he was is Freddie Joe Floyd, like a jobber to the stars type when he would pop up. I saw a really interesting match on on Twitter where he wrestled Michael Hayes in 1999 
in WWF. Oh, wow. <laughs> Weird. And, well, what it was, it was on one of the C shows, and it was Michael Hayes when he was managing the Hardys. Yeah, he was wearing the size, six sizes too tight <laughs> shirt and, and his, his weird, you know, khaki pants. Yeah, and they, the idea, the, the commentary, it was Michael Hayes getting warmed up because it was going to be Michael Hayes and the Hardys versus the Acolytes on the pay-per-view this Sunday in a handicap match. So this was Michael Hayes' warm-up bout. Yeah, trying to get, the, yeah, get, get, get loose, you know, shake the cobwebs off. I like that. That's good storytelling. That's cool. And they had a hell of a match. And you would expect them to. I mean, Tracy Smothers may have wrestled Michael Hayes more than anybody else in his career. Because they didn't just wrestle the Freebirds in WCW a million times on TV. They wrestled them on all the house shows, too. Like, if you check Cage Match, they wrestled the Freebirds every night for, like, three years. I mean, it's crazy. That might have been a shoot. That might have been a shoot Michael Hayes needed to get the rust off. So he, he made them call in Tracy. So they could work, you know, seven minutes in, in, in front of a, a crowd. I, I I wonder if that was actually legit or they just had him and it happened to be a coincidence. It's got to be w- that Michael was like, hey, call Tracy. He'll, he'll work me out. I wouldn't doubt at all that he handpicked his opponent. Right. Or, that, you know, they've been working, you know, before, you know, doing, you know, not, not necessarily dark matches, but before everybody comes, you know, getting in the ring, bouncing around a little bit. And then they said, ah, fuck it. Put it on TV. Put it on Jack. Who cares? You know what I mean? And then they threw it on Jack. That's, that's a really cool story. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt at all that, that. That was a hand-picked opponent. So he finishes up with ECW, and he didn't stay till the end, so probably like 99. And then, um, you know, he, he bounces around. I mean, he, he wrestles a couple more WWE shots, and, you know, he goes back to Japan. That's where he wrestled for FMW. And then he sort of had sort of this second part of his career over the last 20 years, and he was really wrestling up until last year, where he was just this indie guy. Like, the IWA Mid South stuff for all of those years, where he worked with CM Punk and and uh, and and Cabana and all those guys that were at IWA Mid South, getting their careers started, and he was a stalwart there. He formed the tag team with Chris Hamrick, which you know is another one of the famous tag. He, he's a great tag wrestler, Tracy Smothers, and it wasn't just with the Southern Boys. I mean, all throughout his career, whether it was Dirty White Boy or Chris Hamrick, he was always in. Um, these solid tag teams, and that tag team with Hamrick was an indie, you know, stalwart tag team for many years. And then, you know, the second, uh, sort of the uh, the uh, the second decade of the of the of the two thousands. We're in the third decade of the two thousands. It's pretty crazy. I know. It's <laughs> don't remind me. <laughs> but the second decade of the two thousands was really he was probably best known for the AIW stuff in Cleveland because he worked for them a ton. I mean, he, he worked everywhere on the indies, but, you know, the AIW stuff, the Juggalo championship wrestling or championship wrestling, um, you know, he was a, a regular there. And, um, you know, sporadic IWA Mid-South shows and really right up to last year, just an indie. And that's where a lot of the younger wrestlers today and a lot of the guys who came up through the indies over the last couple of decades really have an affinity for him because he worked with all those guys when they were kids and he, and he, and he, and Smothers was well known for being extremely helpful and doing whatever it took to help people get over and, uh, and, and and work with them and get the best match possible out of them. And he never stopped working. I mean, his major league career was over, but he worked all those indies over the last 20 years and always had steady work and uh, was instrumental in, in, in a ton of those careers for a lot of those guys when they were getting started, particularly in IWA Mid-South. Yeah. 
I mean, I so, saw him. I saw him in a GCW show uh, last year. I want to say, yeah, end of end of last year. He was just at, like the Nick Gage Invitational Four. It's just fucking Tracy Smothers. <laughs> it was like Marco Stunt versus Tracy Smothers, and like he never won. Like I saw, I probably saw him in, in indies around this area for you know ten years, and he never once won ever. He didn't want to win, I'm sure. Like, he's not one of those old yeah. guys that's like, nah, I gotta, you know. He was like, yeah, sure, boom, let's go. And they were never like, the other thing that I always remember about this, too, is it wasn't just, hey, here's an old guy that you might remember, and then he does, you know, two spots, and he, he he's out of there. Like, he would go 12 minutes with these guys, 13 minutes. He would have, like, good, like, even until, like, I, I saw him last year against Marco Stunt. He was still solid as fuck, like, even until you know his, his final days. He was still really good. I saw him in a, a Revolution Pro Wrestling, the old Billy Corgan uh, uh, setup as well. I yeah, remember that. Yeah. He, he bounced. He was, he was there maybe one or two times. I saw him. Yeah, like uh, IW Mid South. I saw him once or twice. AEW. I remember seeing him a few times too. He never won. He just always lost. But yeah, he put some really good efforts in there. He wasn't a guy living off of nostalgia. He was going there to 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 work, and he was going there to try to put guys over and, and and make guys better. And that's that's why he has so much respect. And that's why you know very few times you get what we got. You know, you know. I think it was Tuesday or whatever when when the, the news came out. Is everybody, no matter what company. What generation they were, whether they're your older indie guys, your newer indie guys, your current indie guys, whatever. Everybody was just like, "Yeah, dude, here's the story I have about Tracy. Here's when he like took us to the back and and explained this, or here's when he did." Like, it was really cool to see that outpouring of support for him because I I don't know if I necessarily knew how important he was to so many guys. I mean, it makes sense why he would be, but it wasn't until you saw every single person say, "Oh, here's how important he was to, to you know to me being what I am today," and it was really really cool. It's just the hilarious stories. I mean, the guy was just a classic pro wrestler. You know, it's just... It, yeah, he couldn't do anything else with his life. Like, there was no other job no. Tracy Smothers could have ever done than be a professional wrestler, which is perfect. That's what you want. Yeah, and I mean, you just you just scan Twitter and just read the stories, and they're fucking hilarious. I wasted half a day yesterday getting nothing done, just reading all of these different, just hilarious Tracy Smothers stories. The guy's just legendary with 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 a lot of these stories and and um you know i'm pretty sure isn't he the he he was the where where um where where larry sweeney came up with 12 large correct wasn't it they got stiffed by some promoter somewhere and tracy smothers wasn't having it so he went in the office with the guy and shook him down and came out of the office and 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 the rest of the guys were like, did you get our money? And he holds up a $10 bill and two singles and says 12 large, brother. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know that. That's incredible. That's where 12 large came from. It came from Tracy Smothers beating the shit out of this or intimidating this promoter and taking whatever he had on him. Guy had 12 bucks. And he, you know, he, he, he took it out of his pockets and he came out and they, and, and they left with the guys 12 bucks. I think that I'm almost positive. That's where that story came from. We actually we have somebody in the, um, in the chat room. I don't remember this, but they uh, they say here. It's, I think it's Jose uh, Corona uh, is his name. Uh, Tracy would do wrestling podcasts while delivering pizzas. Yeah, someone told God. Yeah, that's awesome. Someone, <laughs> that rules so much. Because he, he no, he famously worked for that for that restaurant. Like that, he made a thing of that. And someone told a story. He said uh, Smothers told a story. I, I read. The, I don't remember who tweeted it, but um, he delivered a pizza once, and someone recognized him. I'm sure it happened a lot. And the guy was, uh, they got in a conversation. He said he wrestled Stone Cold Steve Austin or whatever. And then the kid said, did you beat Stone Cold? 
And he's like, brother, if I beat Stone Cold, I wouldn't be delivering you this pizza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yes. You know, that so that's the kind of sense of humor. You know, the stories are just – all of them are just just as funny as that one. I mean, it's just – the guy was just, you know, just legendary stories and everybody who met him has one or, or has ten of these uh, Tracy Smothers stories. But um, I, I, I hope I have the right guy, but I'm pretty sure – I'm almost positive it was Tracy Smothers with the 12 large story. And and that's how that became a thing. But um, I'll have to research it before we upload the show. We'll just cut that out if it wasn't. <laughs> right, but, right. Uh, so we don't get a, a barrage of, of I, yeah. Of, uh... <laughs> yeah, but I'm pretty positive that was Smothers, though, with the, with the 12 large. But, uh, but yeah, there's a million stories out there, um, you know, just like those. I, I, I read another one today where – He's he, he he goes up to the guy he's he's working with that night. And he's like, "All right, well, this is what we're going to do. Just follow my lead. I'll make you look like a million bucks." Oh, it was, it was Nate Webb who tweeted this out, and someone goes, "Tracy, this guy he's he's deaf." So Smothers then starts shouting, "All right, well, I didn't know you were deaf, brother, <laughs> but this is what we're going to do. Just <laughs> just a t- just a total pro wrestler. Just pro wrestler, you know? yeah. There's no other way to describe him other than a pro wrestler, because because that's most other people would not react that way, but pro wrestlers would 100 percent across the board act that yeah. way, which is perfect. Yeah. Like, I, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were deaf, brother. Here's what we're <laughs> right, gonna do, right. you know, shouting at him, you know. And the you know the effy one where he says he's doing like, like you know he's like he's like exercising. Yeah, he's doing the dips. Chair, he was doing dips you know, on a chair. Yeah, doing dips and the chair breaks. So he throws the chair across the room and he starts muttering about how the chair isn't a worker and he starts storming off. <laughs> that's just wrestler shit. Like if you've ever talked to a wrestler, that's especially these old school guys, you know, but uh, you know, and that's why he endeared himself to everything. This is one of those guys where it's like, if you were, you know, on Twitter yesterday, it was yesterday, right? I guess we're recording. It was, yeah, yeah Tuesday. I, f- I forget what day. Yeah, uh, by the time most of you guys were listening, it was Tuesday or Wednesday is when most of these were coming he out. He died so. on Tuesday, but Wednesday is when it was announced that he passed away, I believe. So, um, you know, it's just, it's just universal praise. And, and oddly enough, mostly from this generation of wrestlers, because he worked all those indie shots for the, for the last 20 years, you know, it wasn't a bunch of tributes just from, like, the guys from his era. You know, it was people who were stars now, you know, your Kevin Owens and your CM Punks and then people like that who who uh, came up uh, with him while he was on a, in a totally different time in his career on the back end, you know, working all these indie shows with these guys and uh, just making a huge impression on everybody. So and, you know, Tracy Smothers and you know what's funny and I know we just recently told this story, too. You know, we've only spent money on advertising twice in the history of this show, in the history of our website. One of those times was a Tracy Smothers show. Yeah, shooter, right, right, yeah. Where we got our watermark and we paid whatever it was, 25 bucks or whatever it was, to have our watermark logo on the Tracy Smothers shoot interview. And the only other time we paid for advertising on this show was another legend, Joe Gagne, his Fun Time Arcade. Those are the only other ads we ever bought, you know. A podcasting legend, the godfather of wrestling podcasting, Joe Gagne, and uh, and Tracy Smothers, who obviously was built from Nashville, Italy, during the uh, FBI run in, in ECW, which is where Rich uh, mentioned that before, in yeah. case anybody was confused, because, you know, in Nashville, in Italy, and, you know, um, 
you know, when Herman the when Ulf Herman was part of FBI, he was billed from Hamburg, Hamburg, Italy. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, so you know, but there's twelve year old Rich not getting the joke. Yeah, like, like, oh man, weird. All right, whatever. I didn't know there was a Nashville in Italy. That's cool. Yeah. So Tracy uh, looks like he could be Italian, right? Like, uh, you know. All right, so we've been corrected on the Tracy Smothers twelve. Oh no! Thing. Oh no! Okay, that's good. We now. Okay, what is it? So uh, Grant Akuma tells us. Oh, what does he know? Oh, he wouldn't know. (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's actually literally the best person to explain that to us. So, okay, go ahead. Yeah, he says it was uh, actually Tom Brandy, and it was how much merch he how much he made on merch that night. (laughs) Salvatore sincere, which is is a nice connection between the FBI. So I could see why you get confused there. That's fine. So Sweeney asked him how much he made on merch, and he uh, and he said twelve large, brother, and held up the uh, ten to two singles. That's actually a better story. That's a much Tracy better Smothers story. Yeah, yeah. Beating <laughs> up the promoter. So, why would I get Tracy Smothers and Tom Brady? I said Salvatore up? Sincere. You were you were getting your uh, your you know stereotypical Italian characters mixed up. I don't think that would be that would be it though. I think that doesn't make any sense. I I you know what it is? I must have heard an incorrect version of that kind. Maybe like an urban legend version of mm-hmm. it. Because I don't think I would mix up Tom Brandy and Tracy Smothers, and I also wouldn't mix up selling merch with a shady promoter. Like, there's way too many details that are off on this. So I must have just heard a bad version of the story. But, uh, yeah, no doubt about it. Take Grant Akuma's word over mine. Yeah, no, for sure. I think he, he would probably know uh, a lot he better knows than Joe Lanza. Yes, yeah, he, was probably, he might have been there at that show. Yeah. So I think he would, he would he probably know. Yeah, I don't know any of these people. He knows them. So yeah. um, we're going to go with the Tom Brandy version. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I like the, I like the Tom Brandy version too. I could see, I mean, I, I I'm amazed that Tom Brandy sold $12 in merch on an indie show, but Hey, you know what? Good for him. Yeah. Like who bought an eight by 10 of Tom Brandy? You know, it was like, Oh, sweet. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, maybe, you know, if he's working as Sal sincere, Tom Brandy and the Patriot all in one night, how does he even handle that? Like, does he, does he stand at which gimmick does he stand at the table in? I'd like to know the answer to that, right? Does he get paid? He was getting paid multiple times to work the multiple gimmicks. Wasn't that the whole idea? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why he bought the Patriot gimmick from uh, from Del Wilkes. So that was the idea behind that. He was but, probably the uh, Patriot. He had to be, well, maybe maybe Grant Akuma can, can correct us on that too. He was probably the Patriot, right? Because that that's where you're going to make the dollars. I could see people seeing the Patriot and saying, oh, "I'll buy an eight by ten of the Patriot," you, you know. But I'm not buying an eight by ten of Tom Brandy or Salvatore Sincere. So, um, <laughs> Tom, yeah, I don't know if Tom Brandy eight by tens are flying <laughs> are really off. flying off the shelves. Oh, I remember you from getting your ass kicked by Mark Marrow. Yeah, yeah, that's me, kid. <laughs> like, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, well, I tell you, I saw. Listen, since Grant Akuma's listening, I saw a member of Fist. Selling some eight by tens in a show in Texas that had that had Akuma on them. Oh, uh oh! I bet he didn't get paid for that. If he DMs me, I can give him the information. Oh, let's uh, go. Maybe we've got another. Let's snitch. Let's snitch. Yeah, let's snitch on this guy. Hold on, I'm gonna find out who's. I'm gonna look up the entire roster of fists so I can guess who this was. Maybe we've got a Kenny Omega Kota Ibushi situation on our hands here, <laughs> where Akuma needs to get a taste of yeah, that merch. Thousands of dollars tonight. have been moved. How, how much? How much merch was moving out here? How much fist merch was moving out when you were there that day? Ah, this guy was selling a lot of eight by tens. Oh, okay, so, all right. Know, I think Akuma's got to get his taste. Yeah, you know. So, um, anyway, that's uh, <laughs> Tracy's mother's career veering off into some. Um, 
Odd Direction. Snitches. Joe and Rich snitch on indie wrestlers. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, it's a new, it could be a new segment of the show, <laughs> right? So I'm but, here, uh, this guy, he's doing this. Yeah, that, that, well, we get a lot of trouble with that one, so. He got five or six real Tracy Smothers stories and then one that was complete bullshit. Right. So, you know. Uh, here, that, here's uh, one actually from CM Punk that I love. And it, it, it speaks to, again, like we were saying, where he just went out there and just wanted to put guys over. Not an old wrestler in any way, shape, or form. So CM Punk, uh, he talks about, you know, one of the first, you know, one of the first names he ever worked. So one of the first times he ever worked. Uh, he says here, one time he grabbed nachos from a fan and I was so terrified he was going to dump cheese all over me. And I'd have to drive home from Kentucky covered in concession stand nacho cheese. Uh, he said, block it. Hit me with the cheese, kid. <laughs> I think we may have lost Joe there. Joe, you you back? I was muted. I was Okay, no problem. I, I put on mute, too, because I thought we've been having some connection issues, so it wouldn't, uh, wouldn't surprise me. But, uh, yeah, again, a, a great story there where he brings the cheese out, and CM Punk's like, ah, fuck, this guy's going to throw cheese all over me. He's getting ready for it. And Tracy's like, hit the cheese. Hit block it, kid. Hit me with the cheese. Like, get yeah. over. You know, hit me with the fucking cheese. So, so now Tracy Smothers has to drive home from Kentucky with cheese all over him. But, you know. That, Covered in cheese. Right. right. You know, but that's what that, that that's the thing. You, that's normally the business. The, normally the veteran would be hitting the, the, the kid with the cheese. But, you know, he wanted to take the cheese spot with the nachos. So, uh. You know, I, I feel bad for the kid in the crowd who got his nachos taken. I know, away. yeah. He's like, God damn, <laughs> like, I want those nachos. That would kind of suck. It would. But, um, yeah, Tracy Smothers, look, the Southern Boys slash Young Pistols, excellent tag team, very underrated. If you can track down that match against uh, the Nightmares from Continental um, that we talked about years ago on this show, that's well worth your time. I just looked. I don't think it's available the same way we found it all those years ago. So you, you probably find it if you do a little bit of looking, but yeah, it is not, it is not easily accessible like it used to be, unfortunately. So, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it was a great match with a great finish, um, you know, and then you know, the match against the, uh, uh, the midnight express, obviously hard recommendation for that. Some of the IWA mid South stuff against the, uh, the young indie wrestlers of the day. If you can find some of the uh, Chris Hamrick tag team matches, those are worth your time as I get hiccups at the worst time possible. Um, you know, the ECW stuff was fun. I watched I watched him wrestle Masato Tanaka the other night from a house show. This is on Chris Zellner's Twitter feed. Um, that was a very good match with a lot of great uh, mic work. The one thing about Tracy Smothers is he knew how to rile up a crowd. You know, he'll get on a mic and... Um, and just destroy a crowd. I mean, you know, he was famous for his mic work, famous for saying he was going to, you know, come out there and smack everybody in the face. The, uh, the, uh, the, 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 everybody dies was his other thing that he would say. He said he was going to commit mass murder, uh, was another one of his lines. Uh, everybody dies. I'm going to commit mass murder on this crowd. Um, you know, so his mic, he was, he was well known for riling up crowds and doing great mic work as well. Um, so that's another facet of uh, of his game, especially later on in his career. Um, another thing he would do, uh, another thing he would say frequently on the mic is he would come out and, um, you know, he would say, well, since those two kids, the match before me did all my moves, I'm just going to come out here and talk tonight. 
you know, and then and then cut a promo for the next ten. Yeah, minutes that was his heat. Yeah, that's a, yeah. He did that. He did that a, a few WrestleMania weekends ago, where he just come out and do heat. As ah, I was gonna wrestle, but now I'm not. Yeah, that, he would just kind of do that instead, which is a, a fun way to you know generate some heat too in front of the audience and get him to boo. Which would, which would work great if it was like two luchadors in the match before him, and he would come out and say that they stole all his moves. So he's gonna come out here and talk instead. You know, so that was kind of the gag. But um, yeah, just a um. You know, it's it, it just a, a legendary figure in, in, in wrestling who wrestled for, you know, close to over 30 years, right? I guess we're close to 30 years. I guess, what, like 84, 85 to, to last year. Right, so, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and the Smoky Mountain stuff, if you could find it, you could, you could watch him work as a single and as a top guy. But really, you know, a great tag team wrestler. I mean, that's how I'll always um, – you know, kind of remember him as as being part of of several different... uh... At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Uh, really excellent tag teams. And, uh, you know, that run in WCW in the early 90s um, with uh, with Steve Armstrong. So there you go. Tracy Smothers uh, passed away. But, yeah, plenty of stuff that you can watch uh, on, on W Network and whatnot. And uh, there, I, I do want to plug this as well. Uh, Aaron Bentley uh, does the Everything Elite podcast, Jumping Bomb Audio on this uh, podcast network as well. Uh, he wrote something in February 2017 about uh, Tracy Smothers. I think it's a pretty I- interesting piece as well, given you know the connotation and how, you know, like you said, the stars and bars, which was a huge part of his character in early WCW. And then when he went to the Indies, it was a huge part of his uh, uh, character and his persona as well. And it's just a little bit of a look at, at, at that and, and, and kind of trying to sort of wrestle with that as, as well. If, you know, you, you're uncomfortable seeing, you know, the Confederate flag everywhere and him being donned in it and holding the flag up and all that sort of stuff. So it's an interesting read. Uh, it's called Smothered and Changed, a wild-eyed Southern boy uh, in a modern man's world. I'll put a link in the uh, description of the show as well if you want to read about that. But uh, uh, that's that's Tracy Smothers. And, yeah, like I said, plenty of ways where you can watch him and, and, and see. But uh, the biggest thing is is going to be just – the outpouring of support that you saw from every, every corner of wrestling. And, and that's, you know, to me, what really sticks out is, is people from 30 years ago, people from 20 years ago, people from 10 years ago, and people today all talking about how important he was to their career. So um, uh, that is Tracy Smothers. All right. Are you ready to move to uh, WWE here? Let's talk about hell in a cell. Hell in a cell. It's red. There's cells. We had to acknowledge a man. Uh, what do you think overall of the show before we go uh, uh, match by match? Here? We're not going to go excruciatingly long because we're already, you know, we're, we're up against the clock here with about an hour left. But uh, what do you think overall of, of Hell in a Cell? I, I thought of WWE pay-per-views this year, um, I don't want to say it was one of the better ones, but it wasn't, I didn't hate my life while I was watching this. Like I do most WWE shows. So I guess that's a positive. No, nah, there was some stuff I liked on this show. This wasn't one of their, um, this was, I guess this year, since it's been one of their, I guess it was one of their better shows this year, but um, there was one match I thought was, was, was genuinely great. And there was some stuff on here that was really terrible. Probably three matches that were really terrible. One that was genuinely great. One that was just, I don't know. The main event was just ridiculous to me. 
And then I guess the match we're going to start with, which is Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. I quit Hell in the Cell match. Yes, yes, because it's October, so we have a Hell in a Cell. Uh, but we really just want to do an I quit match instead. So yeah, Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. Roman Reigns wins, uh, defeats Jey Uso, retains his Universal title. I uh, spent so 29 minutes and 6 seconds, and it felt every second of that. I So I watched this a day after everybody else. I watched it on Monday. I uh, wasn't able to watch it live on on Sunday, and I see the I, I see people saying, "Oh my god, what a performance! What an unbelievable match!" What? And I'm like, "All right, let's go. Let's let's see what this is." I fucking hated it. I thought <laughs> it was so bad. It's I really, I honestly, truly do not know that I can call this a wrestling match. Ah, you stole my talking. Oh, is that really what you were going to do? Like honestly, as I'm watching this, I'm going, "This isn't wrestling. Why am I watching this? This is not. I I I, I want wrestling. I want back and forth. I want action. I want guys going off the ropes. I want guys doing moves." This wasn't a wrestling match. I mean, this it wasn't a cinematic match, but it may as well have been. It was a cinematic match done in a ring and done in a cage because in those 29 minutes and 6 seconds, there was just not that much going on. It's just bottom of the... It's just... There, what moves? I mean, there's 5 or 6 moves going on, and then it's just Roman Reigns talking and Jey Uso sometimes talking and sometimes selling. It was just... I, I hated it. I thought it was trash. I don't think it was a cinematic match in a ring. To me, it was just more of an angle. I, I thought the, the second half of this match, it, it started off as a match and a pretty good one. I mean, it was pretty decent. But then once they broke into the community theater shit and the agents ran out first, Adam Pierce and Pat Buck run in. And it's like, what? like they were trying to put this over as the, as the most brutal beating we've ever mm-hmm. seen. The problem was it wasn't. I've seen far brutal beatings than this in Hell in a Cells and in wrestling matches. So right there, you're kind of losing me. In fact, I thought Randy Orton put more of a beating on Drew McIntyre than Roman put absolutely. on Absolutely. Oh, my God. Absolutely. I thought, yeah, Bailey and, and, and Banks killed each other. And, and Reigns was just kind of like methodically punching him and yelling at him. And then Jey Uso has to kind of sit there and sell for six minutes after like, you know. A... And whipping him with a belt and all that. It, it, look, but it's like. I thought that would, but then, you know, when it completely broke down to the spoken word bullshit again, at that point to me, it became an angle and yeah. not a match. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's not a match anymore. Now what you're doing is an angle. And, you know, he lifted the stairs over his head. Well, first he tried to throw the stairs in the ring, but they hit the ropes and bounced back at <laughs> him, which I thought was fun. I legitimately laughed out loud at that because he looked like an absolute goof. But then he gets the stairs over the top rope. And, you know, he's threatening to crush his, his skull with the stairs, you know, after the whole spoken word bit. We just saw the spoken word bit last month. Right. And but here's the thing about this stuff. It's so different that there are going to be people who love it and there are going to be people who hate it. All right. We'll be on the right side of history again like we were for the fucking graveyard match and like we were for the money in the bank and all that sort of thing. It's fine. It's OK. We'll be the curmudgeons that hate fun and all that sort of stuff. It's fine. But in a month time, we'll be right. So it's fine. Yeah, but I mean, there's going to be people who love this stuff and go on and on about how great the storytelling is and and this and that. But Rich, in my view, and I'm going to say the same thing I said last month, and we didn't really get to do a show because I think you were bouncing around the mountains when that match happened. But I'm going to say the same thing that I was saying about the match the last time they did this. Great pro wrestling tells the story in the ring and you don't need the wrestlers to break into a play to explain the story to you. This is almost cheating. You know what I mean? It's like 
this almost subverts the art. This isn't what pro wrestling is. Pro wrestling is a physical storytelling. And if you're just going to zoom the camera in and basically mic up the wrestler to spoon feed you the story and read you the story like like they're performing a play, it's not a pro wrestling match right, to me. Right, right. I agree. That's It's an angle at that point. What you're doing now is no longer a match. And I just don't respect that from an artistic point of view. The same way that I respect pro wrestlers going out there and telling a story with a pro wrestling match. And far be it from me to shit on someone for getting melodramatic about wrestling. Because go listen to me talk about the Tanahashi Okada matches. Go read my reviews of the Tanahashi Okada matches. I get wrapped up in the melodrama. I'm into that. But they told those stories in the ring. Right. They told them f- physically. They told them in, Physi- in you know, with the match, with the the way that they're wrestling, with the way that they sell, with the, all that sort of – it's not, you know, Tanahashi saying, you're just a kid, and Okada saying, I'm the rainmaker. You're like, it wasn't that. If it was that, I, I probably would have thought it sucked. You know, if it was 40 minutes of them yelling at each other of what they are and who they are and what they're going to be and, and, and that sort of stuff, then, yeah, that's a whole different animal. But, no, they physically tell a story, and, 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 and you get caught up in the drama of – how they're selling, you know, what moves they're doing, what sequence of moves they're doing, you know, callbacks to, to previous things, things they learned, things they've adapted to, new moves they've created, that that sort of stuff. But, yeah, if it's just guys talking to each other, it's just a promo then. Not just a promo with Jay yeah. Uso rolling around on the ground for, for five minutes. Now you're just cutting promos on each other, and now you're just doing an angle. And honestly, it was boring. I mean, it, it became very drawn out tedious and boring at that point yeah i kind of got the picture i couldn't um, believe that this thing went 30 minutes if they were going to go this style of match then yeah make it 15 minutes I, I get it i get what you're trying to do but like yeah the eighth time we get roman reigns go oh acknowledge me and it's just like oh my god all right we got it or we know, just did it the previous exactly month, and I then mean, jay uso you know anytime he would get able to talk it was just like oh you want this you want this you want it like all right i got it like let's go i get yeah. it you know you want it uh, acknowledge me tribal leader i got let's go bring it home boys like let's and and it just yeah, it was like 15 minutes straight of just Roman standing over Jay, Jay writhing in pain, and Roman just saying, you acknowledge me, tribal leader, and then the referee going in and saying, he doesn't quit, he doesn't quit, Roman, he didn't quit, he doesn't quit, he hasn't quit. I know he can hear him, he, he, you know, we got it, ref, we got it. Like, they've added my, the trope I hate more than anything in the world is the I quit match. Where every fucking second we have to ask the guy if he quits. It's a hip toss. Hey, Jay, do you quit? Do you quit? (laughs) Tell me if you quit. But this one was made even worse because, yeah, it's silent. There's no crowd. It's all talking. And then just, yeah, any moment of silence that isn't caught up with Roman asking to be acknowledged or Jay, you know, writhing in pain is the referee going, he doesn't quit, Roman. He didn't quit. He's not quitting. And then he wins it by putting Jimmy in a side headlock. Yeah. I mean... (laughs) That didn't even look dangerous. It, it, it was too. It, it was done oddly enough that the finish was done abruptly and too quickly. It didn't seem like Jimmy was in like serious peril. I don't know. None of this worked for me. But the weird thing about it is, if the second half of that match, if the first half of the match were just ended like a match, I would have liked it. And if the second half of the match had just been an angle instead, I would have liked the angle. That would have been a really good angle, right? 
but it, right, it yeah. Was well, I, honestly, you could have had it where where you know he beats Jay whatever way he does it, and he just keeps yeah. beating on Jay, keeps beating on Jay, keeps beating on Jay. You know, Jimmy runs in. You know, he puts Jimmy in the lock, and then Jay maybe says, "You're the tribal leader." You know, whatever. Yeah, whatever you want me to tell you, just come on, like let us go. You know, type of thing. Yeah, would yeah. work. But no, instead that was in the context of a match, and I'm supposed to kind of think that it's the same thing as a as a normal wrestling match. I'm supposed to think that I'm you know watching this or grading this or consuming this as a as a consistent wrestling match. And it's just like you said, it's a promo. It's it's not. It's it's cheating. It really it is. It, it, to me, it is it, like. Like you said, you don't respect, you know, that that style. And I'm, I'm right with you. Like, I don't respect – if you need to – and we're going to talk about a match later where I thought two people went out there with an even better story and told it in the ring and all that sort of stuff and everything that I want out of pro wrestling, I got. Whereas this was like, you know, just – yeah, he's just spoon-fed is the best way to say it. And anytime when Roman's not saying, acknowledge me or I'm the tribal leader, you have Corey Graves say, all he has to say is he's the tribal leader and he'll be the tribal leader. It's like, oh, my God, let's go. Yeah, like, Jesus yeah. Christ, we beat, get it. Like, like we talked about at the top, they just have to beat you over the head with everything. Every second of silence is like, well, you know, if he just called him the tribal leader, this would all be over. Like, It's to the point of annoyance, and then people think that that's how you tell stories in wrestling because that's what they've been given for the last 20 years. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be that way. And, and in fact, this is a great example of how I find it more annoying than anything else. And... You're exactly right. Sasha Banks and Bailey went out there and with their with physicality, they blew this away and oh they, an hour later. Yeah. An hour later. And I don't want to skip to that match yet. But I'm glad you brought that up because they, they totally blew away this was just God, it just felt so forced. And you know, that's not what a pro wrestling match is. And a lot of people are saying, Well, they talk trash in a lot of matches. A lot of matches you hear wrestlers talk trash. Or there's dialogue. Yeah, but the difference is they don't zoom in on the participants and 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 go into a scripted back and forth. That's the difference here. This wasn't talk this wasn't trash talk within the context of a pro wrestling match. This delved into these guys doing scripted verbiage. Right, right, right. That's the difference. Well, so I, I mean, don't want the, the big difference is like you talk about Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens uses like his trash talk in between doing moves. It's a way to kind of fill that gap while while his guy is selling. You know, while while he, you know while the other guy's selling in the middle of the ring, Owens will say, "All right, you know, you do whatever." He'll talk shit. He'll do that. But it's in the con- like it's building up to the next move that he's going to do. It's going to build up to the next physical thing he's going to do. This is the opposite. It was talking with the, the occasional physicality to to bridge between the talking. That's a whole different animal. You know what I mean? Like one is constant physicality and, and, and back and forth. And the other one is, is talking with, you know, buffered by physicality. And, and that's well, just not what it is. is. The other thing is this trash talk that you're not meant to hear. It's just you're overhearing it. The other is you are – they are deliberately speaking to the audience. Right. That's not a – you don't do that in a pro wrestling match. This delved into theater is what it did. And it's it's just – I don't know. I have less respect for it than it, that's not the art of pro wrestling. You know, I'm not trying to be like uppity about it, but it's not. That's not what the art of pro wrestling is, and it's almost it, it's similar to you know Edge and Randy Orton. I thought that they subverted the art too. They cheated as well when you're cobbling together a match in that fashion with the greatest match ever and cutting out the botches and piecing things together and reshooting spots. I don't have any respect for that. Or I have far less respect for that, I should say, than I do just going out and having an hour match. Here it is with all of its flaws. 
if there are any flaws. You know, if you know you have that net to work with, I don't respect it as much. The thing with this is you're cheating to tell your story. Right. Because you're, the whole art of pro wrestling is telling that story with the physicality. This was not a match to me either. It was an angle. I didn't rate it. I can't rate something like this because to me it's not a wrestling match. It ceased being a match when we broke into the theater aspect of it. And we just saw it the month before. I mean, come on. They did the same match two months in a row. You know, with the same bullshit at the end. Except this one was, you know, far more tedious and even longer. Or at least it felt like it. I'm not looking at the match times. But, um, no, I didn't like this. I, it's just... I just this like wrestling. You know what I mean? I just like... And, it's and, not and what like, I want. This, just... We're going to talk about it a lot uh, in the show, unfortunately. Because Bound for Glory also... You know, did, did this too, but it's like I don't. I just like wrestling, man. And and if it, it's not that I hate one company or anything like that, because we're going to talk about a match that I'm going to say is one of my favorite matches of the entire year. And it was this. It's it's it has melodrama. It had melodrama. It had you know stakes. It had you know very hit you over the head type stuff. But it was just done so much better than this. So yeah, when I see this being like lauded as some like really incredible performance by these two guys, like like you said, you brought up an interesting point there with like you know the Edge and Orton thing, and 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 I 100 agree with that. Is Wrestling, I, I like the idea that sometimes you go in there and it just doesn't work out, or there's some warts, or you know, there's just bad chemistry or whatever. But sometimes you go out there and mother uh, every move that you wanted hits perfectly, everything you try to do hits perfectly. The crowd's into it. You guys are just on the top of your game, and it ends up being like an incredible match. Like that—that that is where the art form is awesome. You know what I mean? Like, why would you not want that? And we, we talked about that during the Edge and Norton thing. Like that to me, if I was a performer, I'd say, no, 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 let us go out there and let's see what we can do. And if we have an all-time great match, we have an all-time great match. If we don't, then all right, whatever. But hey, we're gonna try like hell to make it an all-time great match. And if we if we hit everything and everyone's in the right spot and the crowd responds or whatever, you know, and obviously not, not the crowds right now, but like that's the art of a great wrestling match. Is sometimes it's just two guys go in there and just for some fucking reason it works and it's great and it's perfect and 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 it just it, it stands the test of time. And sometimes you go in there and it's just it's fine. Yeah, that 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 is the art of it. That's the fun of it to me. Just going in there and reciting lines. I don't know. Is that really what? Is that what anybody wants? If if that's what you want out of pro wrestling, that's cool. But like, just go watch a fucking play. You know what I mean? Like, go. You know, it's not what I want. I just like wrestling. I, I don't know why you have to defend that in 2020. But yeah, why can't Roman just beat this guy within an inch of his life and have the brother come down to try to save him? And you could basically do this without breaking into the the theatrics. I, I you know, it's like, you know, and a lot of the counter arguments are well, Roman is doing you know he's so great in this role and, and he really crushes it. I guess, but you know, if if they just started, well, I guess this is a bad a bad analogy considering AEW legitimately did this last week. <laughs> right. But if Roman Reigns and Jey Uso just broke into a tap dance routine in the middle of the match, and it was a really well done tap dance routine, I I, I still don't want to see that in a wrestling match. I don't care how well you do it if it's something that I don't want to see. At that point, it doesn't matter how well you perform it. You know, I don't want to see these guys, um, you know, uh, do this community theater stuff. I just want to see a wrestling match, a well-told story in a wrestling match. You know, and you could have told this story with physical, without breaking into mid-match promos. And, um, you know, for the same reasons, I don't want to see Chris Jericho and MJF break into song. Right. I, I don't care how entertaining or well done it is it's not what i want 
in my pro wrestling. It was also the lowest quarter hour of the show. But, you know, it's... That's either here nor there, but, you know. <laughs> this, this, even though everybody's wife who doesn't watch wrestling loved it and came into the room to watch. Uh, so how low would that quarter hour have been, Rich, if all the imaginary family members didn't come into the room to watch? Could you imagine I how low that quarter hour would have gone? Um, no, but no, this didn't work for me. And I, I get why people like it. I really do. But it's not for me. It's not why I watch pro wrestling. Um, and it's not what I want to see in a pro wrestling match. It's not the same as in match trash talk. Something completely different. Um, you know, but I really think COVID has been Vince McMahon's fucking wet dream. I mean, he gets to do all these things that aren't pro wrestling. Oh, these aren't going away, by the way. The, the fake crowd noise, no. the not pro wrestling, the cinematic matches. The, th- this stuff is not going away. And fuck, you look at WWE Q3. I, like honestly, I I don't know. I don't know. He might never run a show in front of fans ever again if he was if it was up to him. To be honest, he's Why got his fans he? now. You know, he's got a he's got a video wall of fans that they can now control because they've pre-recorded people cheering and booing and, and and raising their hands up and down. So you can log all that and just basically have somebody control cheer, boo, yay, you know, whatever. Uh, you can make your own noises. They can, they can make their own crowd noise. They don't have to tour around. They're saving a shit ton of money by not touring. Like. Yeah. I, I, he's gonna. I mean, obviously they'll be in front of fans again, but like, and they're making record profits. And they're yeah, they already Q three. They've already made record profits this year. So, yep they've they've already you know without quarter four. Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. So uh, the call just ended right before we recorded, but isn't the idea that they've already crossed the threshold into making record profits? Right, and the Thunderdome did not cost anywhere near what people thought it would cost as well. So tremendous right. savings for them. Um, continue. I mean, they were saving a lot more, obviously, by being in the PC. But yeah, the, the actual cost of, of of renting the Amway Center and turning it into the Thunderdome a lot lower than people expected. So yeah, they're they're en route to you know their biggest profits ever. They're paying less, you know, for tours. They're paying less employees. They get to control the crowds the way they want. They can do you know spoken word matches. Like it's going to be a tough sell to get them back in front of crowds. I'm as ridiculous as that may sound. Like I, I Vince. For a guy who's been struggling like hell for the last five years to get the crowd to kind of go in the direction he wants them to go, he they'll go whatever direction they want them to now. Yeah, you don't have to deal with those pesky fans not buying into your stories because you they're controlling the crowd responses now, and you can and you don't even have to deal with these pesky pro wrestling matches, which he's never wanted to do either. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> I mean, it's we perfect make movies. We make movies. This was a movie. Roman Reigns and, and Nusa was a movie. That's right. A really shitty movie. Yeah, it was a bad movie. It, I don't want to watch it, but it was a movie. <laughs> you know, and, and the cinematic stuff is it's this is what Vince has always dreamed of. You know, that that time in the nineties when he said, I wish I didn't have to have the matches. I mean, that's he said that. So I wish there was a way to not have the matches. And and at another point in history he said he wishes there was a way to get wrestling out of the name of his company. So he's always wanted to be just this storyteller. And COVID has given him the opportunity to to think outside the box and do wrestling in a different way. And it, it's all terrible. And it's not connecting with the audiences. I mean, the audience isn't growing. That's really not – it's not falling anymore either. I really think they finally hit their base. They're there. Yeah, they're there. And, and, and they luckily – getting to the Thunderdome, for whatever you want to say, I mean, getting to the Thunderdome really helped 
like keep them alive, you know, because it was really trending bad. Really, and I, I think without the Thunderdome, it probably would have been worse. But I think enough fans now are cool with the Thunderdome; they're fine. They get enough of the experience, and yeah, you're down to like your hardcores of hardcores, and those hardcores are like, you know what, this Thunderdome thing's fine. I'll watch it; it's cool, and, and that's where we have now. They've you know. run off everyone. They're going to run off because the raw ratings have now settled between. It'll they dip between basically 1.6 and 1.8 million every week, like clockwork. So it's like, I think they finally hit the base of people who are going to watch every week, no matter what, and are genuinely enjoying some of this stuff. And they've run off everybody else that they're going to run off. Um, but yeah, this is his dream to be able to present his stories this way. I've got hiccups this whole show to present his stories this way and be able to control the crowd response the way that he wants the crowd to, he can, he finally has figured out again how to control crowds by having fake crowds yeah. and just manipulating the noise himself. Because and we don't know how crowds would have reacted to a lot of this stuff over the last couple of months. It's just, you know, they're just piping in whatever reaction yeah. that they see. Which, I mean, for Vince, is perfect. That'd be great. He doesn't have to think about it for a second. Here's what we're going to do. Truly, and here's, what, here's yeah, what I want just, the reaction to be. I want this guy to be booed and this guy to be cheered. The end. Yep. It's great. And I mean, it's for just, him, it's great. <laughs> you know? yeah, it's, it's just a TV show now. It's literally just a TV show now. I mean, right down to some of these elements we're seeing, like this match, which to me wasn't even a match. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Not for me. Not the direction I want wrestling to go in. Um, but, you know, anything this different was going to be divisive. Yeah. I could see why people liked it. Oh, I get I it. Mean, no, I, I do for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe honestly, me in another time probably would have liked it as well. I don't know if like, if I was younger or whatever, like, I would like it. But yeah, it's just, you know, for what I want out of pro wrestling right now, it's just, yeah. yeah. Can, can I say something that's going to sound incredibly condescending and I don't mean it to sound that way? Yes, you can. Go ahead. If I was 23 years old and I've never seen good pro wrestling and I'm a huge Roman Reigns fan, I would have fucking loved it. Yeah. That sounds really condescending. It did, but I, I totally get you. I mean, I think everybody, saying, most people right? listening that aren't that 23-year-old guy that's like, oh, man, that's me, like, um, you know, agrees. Yeah, they, they 100% agree. But, yeah, no, I'm right with you. It, it, it is. I mean, if you're, if you're a 20-year-old kid and all you've really watched is WWE, which is fine, I'm not trying to be like, got to watch those Puerto Rico tapes, kid. I'm just saying, like, there's probably a lot of people out there you're 20 years old, you're 18, you're 23, you've only watched WWE your whole life, you're a big Roman Reigns fan, you're a Sasha stan, or you're, you know, whatever. You're you're a big Alexa Bliss fan, you love The Fiend, right? You've never seen great pro wrestling, because WWE hasn't been great since what? You want to say 2014? Was that great? Yeah, that was a pretty um, good year. Yeah, 2014, 2015, somewhere in that range, for sure. That's six, seven years ago. Yeah, it's, it's a while. <laughs> So you're you're 18 years old. Maybe you weren't watching then, or you don't remember. You know, you got to remember. And you're a big Roman Reigns fan, or you're a Sasha stan, or you love Alexa Bliss, or you love The Fiend, or, you know, whatever the fuck. And you don't really know any other form of pro wrestling. You might have thought that was great. You know, and, and I understand it. You know, because that's the kind of pro wrestling that you've kind of been nurtured on, and 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 I, I get it. And I'm not saying that the 50-year-old guy listening to us right now who has seen great pro wrestling shouldn't have liked it or couldn't have liked it. I understand why it's divisive. 
Rich, I just want to watch people wrestle. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's I, a, I, in 2020, you got to defend that, and we have to do a show where we say, Joe, I just really want to watch guys wrestle or guy or girls wrestle. I just want to see a match where two people go in and try to prove that they're better than the other, but you got to defend that you, know, you know what's funny? When we say that, a lot of times people come back with, well, that sounds boring. And you know why they say that? I don't get on their case when they say that. Do you know why they say that? Because they've never seen great pro wrestling. Yeah. That's why they say that. It sounds boring to them because when WW, in WWE or even in, in some of these other companies, these modern companies, when you're just wrestling, it is pretty boring. I understand where they're coming from. Those people who say that, they're like, oh, well, that sounds boring. Go watch Ring of Honor Pure. This is the thing, Rich. I've never, ever, ever wanted wrestling to be the Ring of Honor Pure Tournament or UWFI or Rings. That's not what I've ever wanted it to be, and that's not what we're talking about when we have these conversations seemingly every week. We're okay with a little bit of comedy or a little bit of this or a little bit of that. It's just some of these things are so far over the line, right, that it's just it's become extreme. They just killed a man on impact and treated it like comedy. Okay? Just because you don't want to see that in your wrestling doesn't mean you need everything to be the Ring of Honor Pure Tournament. Why do we have to deal in these extremes all the time? You know, it's just these companies have gone so far lately just because I don't want to see a song and dance routine in the middle of a wrestling show doesn't mean I need everything to be rings. Right, yeah. Now you want to watch Jack Briscoe in 1976. You know, have a 60-minute, you know, match. You know, yeah, where they just exchange, you know, side headlocks for 70. It, it, there's somewhere in between. There, I, I, There's somewhere, Joe, I feel like, between musicals and Jack Briscoe having a 60-minute match in, in the 70s. I, I feel like there's somewhere in between, but apparently there's just not, so. And when we say we just want to see pro wrestling, when people say, oh, well, that sounds boring – they expose themselves. They've never seen great pro wrestling and how great it could be. You know, um, it's like that's that, that's very same show where Jericho and MJF broke into song. The first hour of that dynamite was like the best hour of wrestling TV that I've seen in, in a decade. I loved it. It, it, it made me love pro wrestling, like watching that first hour. I thought they were on their way to a legendary episode of television that I was going to be talking about for years. That I was going to make these children in this house watch 10 years from now when they were old enough if they happen to be fans. But, you know, it didn't, you know, the second hour wasn't as good, you know, but it's like that first hour of Dynamite last week wasn't fucking dry ass. Ring of Honor Pure, which I also like. Yeah, I like it too, but yeah, no. That, that's you know that's the I'm example saying. people bring up is like, oh, if you want boring yeah. wrestling, go watch Ring of Honor. <laughs> like, well, no one's watching Ring of Honor Pure. Well, it's like, there's a happy medium here. And that's not what Ring of Honor is. That's just one facet of Ring of Honor. And I want to get into all that. But it's, it's not that we're saying we need everything to be super serious and 100% sports-based. I don't think either one of us want that. But can we just acknowledge that it has gone a little too far? That's all. It's gone a little too far. Song and dance routines and people getting shot and murder mysteries and and The Fiend and people getting possessed. Yeah, a lot lot of background music, zombies in a wrestling ring that happened on on this week's. Yeah, and I mean, jeez. Zombies are legal, though. Wade Barrett with a straight face. Zombies are legal in this match. I can't take it. (laughs) Right. 
And and it's like you can call me Cornette all you want, but it's not that's not what I'm doing here. It it it's I, it's not I have it's not like I have zero tolerance or don't enjoy a little wackiness. But sometimes these things, these lately these things are going just a little too far. You know, and this Roman match is another example of it. This yeah, I'm, not... I'm ready to just start skipping when it's not going to be an actual wrestling match. I'm ready to just kind of skip it so we can just stop talking about it. You know, like because that's you know we'll talk about Bound for Glory here in a minute. But like halfway through EC3 and Moose, I was just like, do I need to watch this anymore? Like I don't really want to watch this anymore, and I didn't. I turned it off. Like I don't know what happened at the end of the match. It's just like I'm I'm done. I don't want background music. I just want yeah. I'm just done with that shit. Like I'm I'm done wasting our time on the show, and it's not going away either. Like it's not going away anytime soon. No, it's soon. not going away. And the thing is, I, you know how I know that just doing great pro wrestling can be great because last week's first hour of, of of Dynamite. That's how I know. There's an example from today, from a fucking seven days ago. There's an example of how just doing pro wrestling right is great and everybody loves it. Fuck, and we're going to talk way, we'll, we'll, we'll skip ahead two matches and talk about a match that I think is yeah. exactly what I'm trying to say. And by the way, the highest quarter hour on that show was in the first hour last week of Dynamite. People like it. It connects. Wrestling fans like wrestling sometimes. It's interesting. Yeah. Isn't it crazy how <laughs> pro wrestling fans sometimes just love pro wrestling? Fucking weirdos, I, I, you know, fucking morons. What are they doing? Don't they anyway, appreciate the arts? Don't oh, they appreciate the arts? All right, can we... I, do, do you have any thoughts about fucking Elias and Jeff Hardy and The Miz versus and Otis? I don't care. Can we yeah, just I do. Those? I mean, it's okay, just, it's just, it's just re- fucking ridiculous. I mean, this, I mean, we already talked about Elias and Jeff Hardy. I don't understand why Jeff Hardy is the babyface. It's just... But we talked about it already. Well, I think now it's because uh, Elias is, is, is making fun of him for having DUIs. So we're supposed to... Oh, well, yeah, he did on the pre-show. That's right, true. Right. But it's like... But, 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 but again, why are you positioning the guy who's trying to sell the record? I don't know. Just... Whatever that match, and then Jeff Hardy he just gets DQ'd. <laughs> you called it. You said, "Are we going to see a guitar shot?" Well, we got our guitar shot in full view of the ref. He just hits him with the guitar and gets disqualified. I guess the idea was he was so angry that he was called a drunk that he just had to whack him with the guitar. Was that the idea here? I think so. I don't know why it had to take eight minutes to tell us that story though. It could have taken five seconds, but that's are it. we also trying to make sense of something that they probably didn't put? Yes, two exactly. On? We, we have already spent more time than they have spent on it. So let's just move on. Otis and the Miz. Oh no, the breakup in a year where there are many contenders for worst match of the year. This has to be, <laughs> it was so bad. This has to be right up there for one of the worst like matches that tried to be a real match. Yeah. You know oh, I mean? it was. Yeah. It's and, and, and it's not all in Otis. Like, the Miz is, is there was a time where the Miz was like fine. Remember when he was like okay or like semi good, and every time people would say, "Oh my god, the Miz is getting so good. He's gotten better than he was." Like every month, it was like the same thing with Nikki Bella. Like it, when you improve every single month for four years straight, like you are incredible. And that's like yeah. that's where it was a few years ago with the Miz. Like oh, he gets better every night. <laughs> it's like okay, hold on. Like, he would have been Stan Hansen by now. Right? Yeah, he, he he is not getting better. He is getting worse every night now. He is bad now i think he just doesn't i i don't know what it is he's getting older he just doesn't i mean he was horrendous otis is shit god this was bad the miz life cycle was everybody hated him at first but he was actually not nearly as bad as people thought he was no he's pretty good he was right. he was good early on like he was fine early on yeah the tag the original tag team with morrison on ecw like you know feuding with jimmy wang and uh and shannon moore like those were good matches yeah um, then 
like we were the ones saying that he was underrated for a while there in the early days of this podcast. We're like, oh, listen, the Miz is kind of underrated. Like he's not great, but he goes out there and gives you a professional performance. He's oh really yeah, yeah. Not I was a Miz is, is hashtag actually good guy for a while there. But then like there was like this deluge of like you're saying, then it became the Miz is so underrated. He's a wrestler of the year contender. He's the best wrestler in the companies. And it's like, well, listen, pump the brakes. He's not. <laughs> right, let's reel that in a little that bit. Good. Okay, he's a nice little wrestler, but people just went overboard with it. And then he went from underrated to so underrated he was now overrated. That's been the Miz life cycle. And now he just isn't good anymore. No, he stinks. He's not a good wrestler anymore. And Otis is the drizzling shit. <laughs> so bad. He's horrible. He's horrible. I mean, he was missing like I, there was basic stuff that he was missing. Like they they did some basic like they I I think you know Otis put Miz over the ropes and Otis was supposed to either drop down or jump over him or just do something to get out of the way and he fucked that up and then Miz fucked you know the, the t- he wasn't in the right spot so Miz had to like stop and get there and then Otis bounced off the ropes and he and I'm like dude this is like day fucking week one wrestling school stuff we're trying to do an up and over like we're bouncing off the ropes and and, and, and dropping down and letting the guy go over and bouncing and like and they were fucking that up and I was like oh dear god. Like, let's come on. This guy's like a professional. He's on the, in the biggest company, getting presumably a semi push or whatever, and he can't fucking drop down or, or bounce off the ropes. He can't do anything. He's really bad. Really bad. You got to be a mouth breather to think he's entertaining. I mean, there's nothing entertaining about Otis. You know, I hate simple minded wrestling yeah. characters. I, I cannot stand that. Um, And listen, I'm not some kind of woke. We all know that. But I think it's really? insulting when they do. These, <laughs> Are you sure? I, I think it's insulting when they do these simple-minded wrestling yeah, characters. Well. I don't like Eugene and Otis and um, throughout history, uh, George Animal Steel and and uh, Dave Sullivan. Your favorite ever, Bugsy McGraw. Yeah, Bugsy McGraw. I mean, that shit is like. And I'm not someone. Listen, I can just. I am the first person to overlook things because it's just wrestling and it's trashy entertainment. And I think wrestling is a little better when it's a little trashy. If I'm being completely honest and I am not someone who takes entertain entertainment as seriously as the real world. And I have a high tolerance for, for a lot of shit like that, but the simple minded wrestling characters have always bothered me. I, I just, man, you are just picking on the, the, the people who are least equipped to defend themselves. Yeah, I hate yeah. it. And it's, it's just a one note joke. It's just a one note joke too. You know, that that's where it kind of bores me. It's just like, all right, I get it. He's, he's an idiot. He's a moron. Everybody else knows he's how a moron. The, he doesn't know he's a moron. Ha, 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 ha. Okay, we got it. How the fuck was Eugene on TV all those years? That's <laughs> I know. And it, like, you would think the Eugene character, if you, if, you, if you went to the TLB and said, hi, I want you to predict what year this happened. There was a character that was the mentally handicapped cousin of an authority figure on this show. Like, what, what year was that? She'd probably say 1981 or, you know, 1980. No, it's 2005. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. Presented as comedy. Right. You're supposed and to everybody was laugh laughing at him and then kicked his ass. And there was a bunch of people who kicked the shit out of him because they were annoyed that he was handicapped or, or, or you know, d- disabled or whatever, you know, you want to. It's just, yeah, it, it's it's shocking how long that lasted. <laughs> I have the same thing with Saba Simba, too. Like, if I told you the Saba Simba character, you would be like, oh, that's like 71. Like, I'm sure. I'm like, no, 1993. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, no, no. That's 1993. <laughs> Yeah, but like Eugene was like the two thousands. Yeah, yeah, like like mid two thousands was Eugene. Yeah, we're laughing at a mentally handicapped person. I don't understand why that was ever okay, but um, 
yeah, that's what Otis is to me. He's just the next in a long line of that shit, derivative shit, and he can't work. He's not funny at all. Nothing about him is funny, um, and 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 he stinks. And I cannot stand Otis. And what this really was, and I tweeted this, and it got no action because nobody respects history. Rich <laughs> did no numbers, but this is a total rehash of George the Animal Steel and Danny Davis in 1987 with Otis as George the Animal Steel, The Miz as Danny Davis, and the Money in the Bank briefcase as mine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine? Of course they do. Yeah, I just had a conversation with the one. Uh, some guy at work was was like, he just randomly came out to me. He was like, what's George the Animal Steel? What was the name of his, his thing? And I was like, mine. He's like, oh, thank you. And he just walked away. That's kind of the conversation so that have in my work have sometimes, no- which is pretty good. Yeah, for people who have no idea what we're talking about besides Rich's coworker, okay? Mine, M-I-N-E, was George the Animal Steel's stuffed animal friend. Yes, which you could buy. It was available to buy. It was a great merch seller, too, so good for them. I I seriously doubt it was a great merch seller, but that (laughs) was the idea. But that was the idea. It was George the Animal Steel's version of Daryl, you know, just 33 years earlier or whatever the fuck, right? So it was this ugly stuffed animal. I'm sure you're all Googling it now. It just it didn't even have legs. It was just long arms and a tongue and a body, and it was gray, and it was ugly. So George Steele would bring this thing to the ring, and he would pet it and hug it. Rich, you like this has all the elements of something that Joe Lanza, even at the age of eight, couldn't fucking stand. <laughs> Simple-minded simple character bringing a stuffed animal to the ring. All of the things I hate in my pro wrestling. Because I've never changed. I've been this forever. Let that sink in. As a child, I was this way. I thought that this shit sucked. Okay? So, he had this feud with Danny Davis. And if The Miz isn't the modern day Danny Davis... I'm oh, absolutely. Win. Oh, for sure. Otis is basically George the Animal Steel. I mean, they both don't do anything but grunt. Right, they can't speak. They both stink. They're, sh- They're both terrible pro wrestlers. They're both atrocious pro wrestlers. <laughs> they fucking stink. Right? They're and fat. He's They're around- hairy. That's half the joke too. Is oh, they're fat. <laughs> yeah. And and the and you could just substitute the money in the bank briefcase for mine. That's what this was. And the match was just as bad as all of those Danny Davis George Animal Steel <laughs> matches in 1988 which you can go watch on your little WWE network if you are so inclined. I would send you to the Monsoon Classic page, rest in peace. Yeah. You can probably find, I bet you he had, he probably had that whole feud cataloged on his page somewhere uh, along the line. But that's what this was. It was fucking atrocious. I seriously question you if you find Otis entertaining in any way, shape, or form. So, yes, I did have some thoughts on those two. There you go. And Tucky, Tucky turned on Otis. He's sick of carrying him. And you know the thing? Here's the thing about Tucky. I said this last year. Watching all these awful heavy machinery matches, I started to gain an appreciation for Tucker. He's really not that bad. He's not that bad, especially for a guy his size. He's got a good look, too. He's got a really good look. You can definitely see that that they, 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 they yeah, that, that was not going to last forever. And that at some point they were going to say, oh, wait, we got to do something with this guy. Or try something with this guy. I don't know if he's ever going to be anything, but at least give, well, it a, give it a try to see on his own. That's where I disagree. I think he looks like shit, and I think that's what's holding him back. He looks like a, a late 80s, like with the hair and the bad body. And 
I don't know. I, to, to me, his look is what's hurt, it was hurting him. Now, here's the thing. He's going nowhere after the split. His career is basically done. Oh, he already, he already lost on main he, event. He lost to Humberto Carrillo on, on main event. So, yeah, that's already over. So They didn't even do the Otis feud before he started losing on main event. Yes. He is 1 million percent <laughs> in the next round of cuts. Oh, for sure. 1 million percent. And I, and I don't know if you could be tucky on the independent circuit. And I don't think AEW is going to be knocking down his door. So that guy's fucked. Breaking up that team, that guy is fucked. So what's next? Well, the Miz is now your money in the bank. He's now Mr. Money in the Bank. So there you go. Talk about that in a bit. Yeah, okay, let's talk cares? about good wrestling. Sasha Banks and yeah. Bayley. Hell in a Cell, SmackDown women's title. Bailey comes in with a year-plus title reign, or just about under a year. I forget exactly what the, the exact numbers were. Uh, she comes up with the big title reign. She turns on Sasha Banks, breaks up the tag team. They have a, you know, a, 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 a successful tag team, and then it fractures, and, and, and Bailey turns on her. Bailey's the heel. Sasha's the face. They have this Hell in a Cell match. This is a match that, like, I wish it wasn't in Hell in a Cell, but I thought that they did a pretty good match with like I don't think the cell wasn't an important part of it I think you could have taken this match out of the cell and put it anywhere and it would have been good uh, but it's October so you have to have it in the hell in the cell but I think they did all things considered I think they did a great job using the cell as as liberal as they, they didn't use it a ton it wasn't an important part of the match. we'll talk about the main event where it was like all the match was was related to the cell this one wasn't necessarily which is fine with me but I thought just like when you talk about what I want out of pro wrestling and what I like out of pro wrestling it's this 30 minutes there's clear baby face, clear heel. They even wear different gear to let you know, but they don't scream about the gear. They just wore, you know, Sasha Banks wears white, Bailey wears black. If you know, you know. If you know, if you don't know, you don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make the match or break the match or whatever. But if you say, hey, that's a nice little nod. I know people, a lot of people brought up that Bailey's gear was like a nod to Portia Perez, who have people that watch Shimmer, watch women's wrestling. She's like one of the most hated heels in like, you know, independent women's wrestling history. And Bailey's, you know, gear mimics hers. Again, Corey Graves didn't have to scream, that's Portia Perez's gear. Like, she's from Shimmer. And she, like, if you know, you know. If you don't know, whatever. It's fine. You might not have known, Joe. It's fine. Somebody out there is listening and says, oh, I didn't think of that. I didn't make that connection. That's fine. That's okay. Maybe you didn't make the connection that Bailey was wearing black and, and Sasha was wearing white. That's fine. You don't need it. It's nice little notes there. It's nice, but like the story was clear, the idea was clear, and they wrestled the match perfectly from that. Bailey was the heel, Sasha was the face. Sasha wants to win the title, beat Bailey, who had the title for a long time. Bailey doesn't want to lose the title because she's had the title for a long time. It's not hard. It's really not hard. And then they go out there and they bust their ass. They kill one another. Great back and forth. Great kickouts. Great. I mean, this was tremendous. This is. It's not hard. <laughs> like just this. This is all I want. You know, this is it. Yeah, was, I hear you. And there was nice little stuff. I, like if now, you again, I mean, nice little story things. If you want Bailey with her little security blanket chair, she brings the chair into the ring. She's bringing the chair everywhere. She does all that sort of stuff. She she loses. It goes it goes outside of the cell, so she doesn't have her chair anymore. And people say, well, there's chairs everywhere, but that was her chair. You know what I mean? There was a special symbolism to that chair. She had spray painted yeah. it. She put one and O on it to to signify that she was over Bailey and that that, that she was over Banks and 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 did that. But it, to her, that was a big deal. Fuck, that's the you know I brought the chair in specifically. So that's a nice little story now. Again, they didn't yeah. hit you over the head with it. It didn't have to say, oh, my God, Bailey's going to be nothing without her chair. It was just like, fuck, that sucks. Really brought the chair in for a reason, but okay, that's fine. We'll work it out, you know, and and then, yeah. you know, later in the match, like, you know, when, 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 when you know, Sasha goes to, to beat Bailey, she turns the chair around and you see zero and one as she's tapping out. Again, 
Yeah. You, might, you might not have noticed it. It's fine. But for me, I was like, oh, that's cool. That's awesome. And she made sure to make it. She noted it because she could have done the chair the other way. But she turned it around to make sure it said 0 and 1 to the camera to signify, no, no, no. Now it's 1 and 1, baby. We're, we're even. Again, like it's not that hard. Just think. Just think a little bit. Just put a little bit of thought into this. Bust your ass and keep it simple. Boom. That's wrestling. That's all I want. Little, little. There were little callbacks to Brooklyn too. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. The, the um, stomping. The stomping during the submission. Yeah. Little stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you summed it up great. I mean, I don't have a ton more to add. Um, now, I got to get this out of the way. I don't think this match should have even ever happened. They shouldn't have touched. Oh no. Until God, WrestleMania. No. Okay, so oh, this should have been know, this should have been the, the back- semi main event of WrestleMania, and it would have been, you know, yeah. just as good, just as important, more important. Yeah, it, it absolutely, hundred percent. This shouldn't have happened. More, more yeah. memorable. I mean, everything because it's WrestleMania. You could even do Hell in the Cell at WrestleMania. Just, just put them in the cell at WrestleMania. Yeah, it would have built to that. Have- it could have built to that for sure. Yeah, they don't touch, and it builds to it. Okay, I finally want to get my hands on you, and the only way I can do it without you running away is Hell in the Cell. So let's do it. It, yeah, it's absolutely. not hard. <laughs> like, no, I know this. This uh, th- this should have been Sabu and Taz. They shouldn't have touched until WrestleMania. You're right. Could have been the semi-main event. You could do it in the cell. Uh, you just build the heat. You know, you have them. You tease a confrontation in the Royal Rumble, uh, but they don't actually hook it up there either. One of them gets tossed out before they have a chance. Um, you know, there's a million different ways you could have done it. So the match should have never happened, but. You know, this is a poorly booked company that doesn't put any long-term thought into almost anything. So it is what it is. There's no point uh, complaining about that because they just they suck, Rich. This company sucks. Right? They're not. They weren't gonna. They weren't oh. gonna hold off. For, they had to get that immediately. They they, they've had two matches now in a month. Even though, yeah, <laughs> like, they spent a year and a half building this feud, and then they have two matches in a month. Because yeah, then they wrestle on SmackDown the very next week. So you expect them to hold off until. Uh, wrestling, you know, they're not going to do that. They're not going to make it as special as possible. And they'll probably wrestle six more times until WrestleMania between now and then. So, but you just kind of just have to enjoy this in a vacuum. Um, I thought it was a really great match. I didn't think it was match at a year level. Like some are saying, I have it at four and a quarter. Um, you know, there were a couple of abandoned spots. They were setting up something with the bamboo sticks. That yeah, just... I don't know what Bailey was trying there. I don't know if she was trying to make a very long stick or something. But yeah, like about four minutes in, she just said, fuck it. <laughs> just kind of walked away, which is, is good. I appreciate that. You can't just keep going at it. You just at some point have to say, fuck it, move on. So Yeah, and some of the other setups were a little contrived or took a little too long to set up. But these are minor nitpicks. And the only reason I'm doing this is because Rich, you know, put the match over. And I'm not just, just going to repeat his words. It was great. Had great intensity. Um, you know, a lot of the spots were great, like the chair in the corner and then, like, the sunset flip. Oh, uh, man, yeah. Ben- Banks, this is classic chair. Sasha Banks trying to kill herself, too. <laughs> like, this is classic NXT Sasha Banks, where you're just like, yeah, you're not going to wrestle fuck. anymore. Like, you're not going to wrestle more than, like, two more years if you keep wrestling like this. But I don't fucking care. I love it. It's great. Yeah. Best match on the show. Um, the one thing I'll say is the three cell matches were all different. I guess you can at least approach it from that perspective and this one was just the kick each other's ass for however how long was this i'm not looking uh 20 20, 26 29 26 29 the shortest of all three hell uh, all three of the hell in cell matches by the way crazy so they beat the shit out of each other for 27 minutes and you know the the orton mcintyre thing we'll get to that was more of a I don't know what the fuck that was. I'm not sure what that was. We already talked about the 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 you know the the community theater match that they did with the first one, um, but yeah, by far the best match on the show. Um, enjoyed the fuck out of it. I wish they hadn't wrestled yet. 
I wish they would have saved this for WrestleMania. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is what you get when you have two people who really care about their output and a well done story by the standards of the promotion in 2020, because I think there's been a lot of flaws in the story that we've talked about over the last few months. Um, but by WWE standards, it's, it's been a good story. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then they went out there and, and killed it and had a, and had a pretty great match even with a couple of minor flaws. So yeah. Um, really enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, good stuff. It's hard to believe that this is the same company as, as we you know talk about the rest of the show and the other stuff that's going on. But uh, yeah, it, it 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 lets you know that when you when you have people that care and, and people that have some investment in what they do and 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 maybe I, I don't know, like I, I'm not privy to the backstage, but maybe whether they say, hey, let us kind of have our own rope or because I I find it just impossible to believe that the same people that you know put together Reigns and Uso will also put together Banks and Bailey. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, to me, it, 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 I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's these two saying, hey, let us have some rope. If it's whatever agent saying, hey, you know what, guys, you, you know, let's let's all sit down and let's really put some effort and some thought into it. I don't know what it is, but, like, it's hard to believe this is the same company because this is, like, everything that I want out of pro wrestling and, and, and what I so, so rarely get from this company. So it was great. I went, I went four and a half with it as well. Probably my, probably my WWE match of the year, which, you know, I don't know if that's going to make my top 10, but, but uh, one that I'll definitely be in consideration for. Um, at that's an interesting, year. you know, I hadn't thought of that. I'd have to look back at my notes. Um, There's not a lot I, to pick from. Well, I don't know if I liked it. I don't know if I liked it. I like Balor and O'Reilly, but that's NXT. Um, I thought I like Balor and O'Reilly a little bit better than this match, but thinking about main roster, you're right. It might be the main yeah, the roster. Main tough this year. Yeah, there's there's a few NXT matches uh, that would probably I'd, I'd probably have above it. But before the pandemic, too, there was the great Imperium versus Undisputed Era um, tag. It. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Right. Right. Um, I'm looking through. I can do this quickly because there just isn't much to choose from. Um, there was Fight Pit, of course, but that was NXT, and I think this was better than Fight Pit. Um, how about Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania? I really like that. Did you? I, didn't, like I did not like it as much as I you did. Like yeah, so I, I probably put I put this over that one. I put this over that one. I got them both at four and a quarter, but I did. I gotta say that this this Sasha Billy match was better. Um, did you see the Daniel Bryan Drew Gulak match from March that people love? <sighs> I'm trying to remember back. I think I did, and I think I did like that one a lot. This was better than that, though. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now I'm pre-pandemic, so let's see. Um, we're gonna keep NXT out of this. Okay, yeah, because there's a bunch. There was like a Fish and O'Riley and and, and Riddle First and Dunn Riddle match. And yeah, that was great. That awesome. was tremendous. That that might be if you encompass all of WWE, that might be my WWE match of the year. But if we're if we're just doing main roster, yeah, that then no. Yeah. Um, okay. Now January <laughs> not a lot. <laughs> uh, January. That's NXT. So Tyler Bate, Jordan Devlin, the NXT UK match from January. Do you remember that? that yeah, yeah. Cool. Oh, I like that one a lot. Yeah, that was great. But again, not main roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, the Imperium Undisputed Era. Remember the the Worlds Collide show, Rich, from Houston was this year. <laughs> no, it's not. You're wrong. That was six years ago. Great show, too. That had Finn Balor versus uh, Ilya Dragunov. Remember? Very good opener. 
and then the uh, Devlin, Angel Garza, Isaiah Scott, Travis Banks four-way. A couple problematic fellas in that one. Yeah, I was going to say, they all canceled <laughs> the canceled scramble there, but that's all right. Hey. And I remember that also had uh, Trent Seven and Tyler Bate against the reformed Gargano and Chiampa match. Oh, that's right. Like, that was really good. I liked that match a lot. And then the Imperium Undisputed Era match with the that's a accidental. Hell of a show. Fuck that show. Rules. It was a great show. I should go watch that again where there was fans again. <laughs> remember the good old days of early 2020 when, you know. Little did that, we know. Uh, Little did we know it was going to come for the next yeah, nine January twenty fifth. That was where remember Wolf got knocked out by accident, and it actually improved the match because then the baby faces were outnumbered. So, um, that's probably my overall WWE match of the year: Undisputed Era versus Imperium. But yeah, I can now say definitively: main roster, it's Bailey and Banks. There it is. See. Mm-hmm. All right, let's quickly go over the rest of this uh, card here. Uh, Poppy Lashley and Slapjack. God. This, oh my God, the backstage where you got the Hurt Business being like, yeah, we'll face uh, that loser in the mask. And then they all look at each other and kind of go, ha, 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 ha. It was like the perfect. Yeah. It was like, oh no, these guys are so dead. I felt so bad for all of our... Um all of the guys from Australia that follow us and we follow them back and they're all trying to put over haste. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's not going to happen guys. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Like we're so proud of uh slapjack. And I'm just like, uh, are you, I wouldn't be proud of him anymore. Of yeah. I wouldn't be part of slapjack. Uh, it's this not is... slapjack's fault. No, but... it's not any of their faults, but man, what a, what a dead end this is. Well, the good news was even though slapjack went down. Okay. To Bobby Lashley in like three minutes. That Rusty Trombone and Dirty Sanchez did run in after the match to save him. They got so, yeah, that's true. So the rest of the uh, Retribution team uh, did, and then you know the next night on Raw, that very crafty Mia Yim faked having a uh, who? Oh, uh, I don't even know her name. <laughs> I think it's like, Reckoning or something like that, right? Yeah, Reckoning. What kind of name is Reckoning? I don't know, dude. What, what, what kind of name is Slapjack? <laughs> I mean, Slapjack at least is a fucking noun. What's reckoning? How is that a name? Um, yeah. Well, she got a demon possession yes, in the middle. Yeah, of the she match. got possessed. Yeah. The if people were saying, is she like... addicted? Is she like a, a crackhead? And she's like, no, I'm possessed. It's, oh, okay. <laughs> like, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, I love the defense that because they would all come out to the because people were like, is she supposed to be like on drugs or something? And then they had to like tweet out. I think she even tweeted out, no, I was possessed. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, sorry, yes. sorry for not knowing that you were possessed. That makes a lot more sense then. Okay, sorry. Well, it was supposed to be. An, well, the idea came out today. I don't know if you saw this. No, it's supposed to be an epileptic fit. Ah, and she <laughs> objected to that. Among others, and they all went to Vince and said, "I ah, listen, I'm not comfortable doing an epilepsy. I don't want to do that. Yeah. So then they agreed on calling it a demonic possession. Ah. So when people on Twitter were giving her a hard time. She for knew making, it sucked. For making fun of epilepsy. That's when she got defensive and said, no, I would God, never. God, I see. I see. Okay. That's fair. I, it was a demonic possession. <laughs> so. <laughs> God. Good on her for not wanting to make fun of epilepsy. That's fine. Yeah. But the fact Why that does she I... have to go out here and say, no, 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 no. It wasn't an epileptic yes. seizure. It was a demonic possession. Like this poor... You can't figure out anything else to do with Mia Yim? Nothing Basically, else? Basically, poor Mia Yim has to break 
character from Reckoning to explain that Retribution would never mock epilepsy. It was a demonic possession. It's all absurd. It's ridiculous. It's all an absurd failure. And I feel bad for every one of them. Yim, Thorn, Dio Madden, throw him in the mix. Yeah, at least Who some else? of these other at least some of these other guys are, are, are at least like Slapjack, like you can just dust off Shane Thorne at some point. You know what I mean? And like people probably won't care. Or, you know, me and Yim at some I, point you can I think you can. But Ali is fucked though. This is it for him. The Jakovic. Um I think Thorne is done. Because well, he, he kind of stinks too. He's so. been there forever, and you know if this doesn't work, they had never had any other ideas for him. The Jackovic, they're not going to give up on because he's legit six. No, I just mean these guys. If they really want to, they can, they can, they can repurpose them at some point. No, they can. I'm saying like the Jackovic, they will. Yeah, right, right. Yim, they will. Thorne, I'd be worried because yeah, Slapjack's he's been there done. This is it. This is it for Slapjack for sure. Yeah, T Bone. Is there a T-Bone? There's T-Bar. Oh, There's T-Bar. T-Bar. That's Dijak. Or Dijakovic. Or what, what do they start calling him in NXT? Dijakovic. Uh, or <laughs> I don't remember. Who cares? Dominic, no, Donovan. No, Dominic Dijakovic. Instead of Donovan Dijak. Right? Yeah, Dominic Dijakovic is his new name. But I just call him, like, I, TV reviews, I just call him Dijak. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Like, who could keep all that straight? Uh, Dio Madden. Remember Brock Lesnar destroyed him at the end? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. Now, clearly, Heyman wanted to go somewhere with that, but at some point along the line, here was Heyman's mistake. Any Having ideas? <laughs> Pushing young talent? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Having a plan? Thinking more than a week ahead of time? You nailed them all. That yeah. was Heyman's mistake. Yeah. Um, so then that never got resolved. You know, nothing came of that. So... I'm sure in Heyman's mind, he wanted people to forget about the old Madden for six months and then have him come out at the right time and fucking, you know, get Brock, make a star, right? But you can't do that in this company. You can't think longer than a week. You just can't do it. Um, so, yeah, I think Thorne is the one that's on the most dangerous ground, the thinnest ice of the group. You think Ali is fucked, huh? Yeah, well, because they can't even repurpose him. You know what I mean? He's out there, you know, he's, he's he's letting it all out. Like, no mask, no weird name. It's just Ali. Like, yeah, I think I think I, be... I, I love the hardcore WWE fan headcanon that 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 his hacker gimmick is tied <laughs> into retribution, which it definitely isn't. No, no, it has nothing to do with it. It's total happenstance. You really think they were thinking that long term with any of this? Not a chance. All right, and then the main event here, Orton McIntyre. I don't know. They went 30 minutes. <laughs> That's all I got. Do you have anything well, else? It was ridiculous because, <laughs> okay, here's the problem with this match. It went 30 minutes? It was very boring. Yeah. But the, the main problem with the match was, the big. what's the big spot in the match? The big spot in the match is Drew going through the table, and then he's spitting up blood yeah. because he went through the table, right? But here's the problem with that. He jumped off the side of the cage and fell through a table. Why did he do that? Orton did not push him off the cage. I think the, the idea was supposed to be, and I think they shot it like shit, is it, 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 Orton hit his head against the cage, so he fell back. No! He, <laughs> I'm telling you that's what the story was supposed to be. No, 
you're wrong. He jumped off the side of the cage. Dude. I don't think he did that. No. He jumped. Rich, go watch it. I know he, what he did, but Orton was supposed to be hitting his head against the, the cage that he was going to fall down from there. All right. This is just physics. If you're banging someone's I head agree. Into- I know. It's WWE. They're stupid. They don't know how to do anything. How would they fall backwards fucking 10 feet? What, it, 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 what, is it like a fucking... <laughs> I don't understand. Like, is it made of trampoline material and he just bounces back? You clearly see when they show the replay... He just leaps off yeah. of the cage while Orton's just hanging on. It was ridiculous. He spit. How about this too? Orton climbs up to the top. Why did McIntyre follow him up? Why didn't he just wave his hands and walk away? Yeah, I would have said, well, right. all right. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing up there, big guy, but I'm not following you up. So he follows him up. Okay, he's the baby face. Well, he's, a fighting, yeah, he's a fighting baby face. I'm going to come get your ass up there. So Then he gets up there and Orton's got a lightsaber. What the fuck was that about? I don't know. A club or something? Yeah, I'm not sure what it was supposed to be. He had a novelty lightsaber that you can buy at like a toy store. It was it was like purple, you know? And they're like, that's a pipe. And then he hits him with the pipe, and then they both just climb back down the cave. Like, what the fuck? I know. There was no reason to go up. I don't understand how people like this. Like, there were people who really liked this match. This fucking stunk. Yeah, I hated it. It went on forever. Then it got horny. There was just so much wrong with this. Like, Orton is, like, going forehead to forehead with Oh, Drew that's right. Yeah, yeah. They were like, yeah, yeah. He was, like, holding his ear and stuff. Yeah, it was, it was getting a little weird. At one point, he definitely, and, and Kelly harassed from our site. He reviewed the show, right? Uh, yes, yeah. Kelly and, uh, it was Kelly and, let me get the exact name. I think it was, yeah, Sean, Sean Cedar. So it was Kelly, yeah, Kelly and, and, and Sean. At one point, I could have swore when Orton was shit talking, he said, "I'm gonna put my dick in your ass." <laughs> I I promise you. And I, and I went into our Slack, and I was like, "Yo, did you guys just hear that? Orton just said he's gonna put his dick in Drew's ass." And Kelly was like, "I thought he said that too, but I thought I was going crazy, so I didn't say anything." What the fuck? I think he said that. This match got super horny, and then later on, they were like forehead to forehead. And he was, like, whispering in Drew's ear. Like, it, it got oddly erotic in the middle of this match on top of everything else. It was just fucking weird and boring, and it sucked. And Drew jumped off the side of the cage. He didn't get thrown off. That made no sense. And then, uh, you know, you get the RKO from from out of nowhere after the Claymore. And things are the same they've been from 10 years ago. Yep, Go ahead. exactly. Yeah, I did an article on the website. Yes, exactly. October 25th. 2010, October 25th, 2020, Miz is your Mr. Money in the Bank, and Randy Orton is your world champion. So, great. All right, do you want to just skip Impact? <laughs> I, hate, I hate to do it, but now I'd rather talk can... about Rev Pro. I'd rather talk about Rev Pro. Now we can blow through it. We can't skip Bound for Glory. Okay, but... we'll do Bound for Glory then. Fine, fine. We have to spend a lot of time on all this. but we you, want me to, you want me to quickly run down the matches then? Yeah, throw the matches at right, me. And I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll do it. We're gonna do the this is what we're gonna do. The gimmick where Rich doesn't say shit, and I I give like I'll jump uh, in a few times, but yeah, I don't have much to say to be honest. Okay, because I hated this fucking show. Oh, it's terrible. It was a really really bad pay per view. Yeah, there was nothing this redeemable about this pay per view. Show, yeah. This is a contender for worst show of the year. I thought this was worse than most of the bad WWE pay per views this year because this was not just bad. It there was shit that was it just. Sucked. Anyway, let's go through it. This yeah, show is atrocious. fucking atrocious. Uh, scramble match. Rohit Raju defeats Chris Bay, Jordan Grace, TJP, Trey, Willie Mack. 
Second best match on the show, but it was a nothing match. Yeah, which is not saying a whole lot. Uh, call your shot gauntlet match. I'm not going to list the names. You really bunch- are blown. Oh, we're going to blow through. We got like we legitimately have like ten minutes. So that's I'm just I'm tired of scrambles. That's all. yeah. That's no more scrambles. Uh, gauntlet match. Bunch of shit happens. Rhino has to win because Heath actually legitimately hurts himself. Um, so they were able to thankfully get out of that that stipulation by having Rhino in the match as well. But um, I don't it whatever, dude. Who knows? It went 25 sure. minutes. It, I wish it went too. So. So Heath tore up his groin or something. Oh, hernia. He got hernia. a hernia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was, this was a terrible, terrible match. Another contender for worst match of the year. If you're trying to – people have trouble with that category. Here's another one. Mine is the Chris Jericho, Orange Cassidy, Mimosa match. Nothing's topping that for me. That's my worst match of the year. But um, this is up there. It was awful. Yeah. Bad comedy. How don't, many- for, don't forget that Impact uh, Gauntlet women's match. Remember? That was really bad too. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of bad gauntlets. That would might have been worse. That might have been worse than the. Eh, I don't know. I'd have to go back. This and watch was real them. bad, and it went 25 minutes too. So I'm never getting those I'm 25. Never minutes going back to watch them, but I'd have to go <laughs> right. back to watch them, which I'm never going to do. Um, bad comedy. Who in 2020 laughs at swoggle comedy <laughs> spots? Other than John Thorne, who laughs at swoggle comedy spots in the year of our Lord 2020? Who? Who thinks this is funny? Besides John Thorne and Tommy Dreamer. They're the only people on earth who think Swaggle is funny. I don't even think Swaggle thinks No, Swaggle. I think he knows that he's not funny anymore, but they keep booking him. So he's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> anymore? When was he funny? He was never funny. <laughs> right. So you have an intergender fucking gauntlet match with Swaggle and bad comedy, and it sucked. The guy that was supposed to win got hurt. <laughs> Luckily, they said that <laughs> the other disaster. guy could- how lucky are they that they said Rhino or Heath? Could I know. They, oh, my God. Yeah, because they would have had to, like, fire Heath or, like, get him in the ring and just be like, do it. Just do something. Yeah, they, they, they bailed themselves out there with, with, you know, adding Rhino to that step. So. Fucking sucked. What was next? Moose and EC3. Speaking of fucking sucked. I, uh, halfway through, I stopped because I'm just done with – I'm done with matches that have Dollar Store Cure background music. I'm, I'm just done. I'm done with these matches. I'm, I, I don't know. I don't care. Whatever. The, it's not matching. I'm not talking about these matches. I'm not talking about the shit anymore. I'm not talking about promos anymore. We don't cover promos on the show. The latest cinematic adventure. Yeah. Pro wrestling. Just don't want any background music on a wrestling match ever again. I just want a fucking wrestling match. <laughs> I, I don't think EC3 can wrestle. I think, you know, he did the squash match in BLP. He did this. I don't think he can wrestle. I think he's so injured he cannot wrestle. And I think that's why they did this. That's a bad but, investment uh, for a wrestler, but okay. That's... I think it's just, you know, Impact is busy copying... AEW and WWE instead of carving their own niche. Right. They shouldn't be doing cinematic matches. They shouldn't be doing, you know, hokey murder mysteries that you would see on being the elite because they just going to, they're going to continue to come off third rate if they're doing the same shit that WWE and AEW are doing. And, and it, it's a shame. They could be carving their own niche and doing something different. And, um, you know, they're just out there doing third rate, it comes across as third rate no matter how good it is because the other two guys are doing it too. Yeah. Stop copying every – stop copying the people in front of you. Right. You would That's think Impact sure. would, would learn that over their, you know, 20 years of existence is that being, you know, dollar store Dota V is not a real successful way to, to – to, but, you know, here we are. So It's a surefire way to ensure that you stay behind them. Yep. And at this point, you're not even number three. You could argue that they're like number five. I'm not, you know, with Ring of Honor and New Japan and whatever, MLW and whoever the fuck. Right. You know? So, yeah, it's just, it's shit. Anyway, what was next? Uh, speaking of shit, again, <laughs> Ken Shamrock, Eddie Edwards. This was atrocious. 
Yeah, but it was like the third best match yeah, of the show. I know, I know. But just by war of it, by attrition alone, it ended up being, yeah, about the third or fourth best match on the entire show, just by existing. This should have been the worst match on any competent pro wrestling show. And it was like the third best match on this show. And good for Ken Shamrock. Yeah, Ken Shamrock is literally, legitimately, shockingly in like the upper half of this entire company in terms of an in-ring wrestler, which is is, is not good. <laughs> I mean, he, try, he tries hard. You can tell that he's into it. He's making money. He cares. But he's really old, and sometimes he's not very good. But good for him. I mean, you know, he's... Uh, it's it's I, the effort is there with Ken at least and can Eddie Edwards I feel like we say this every time can he just go back to being Eddie I Edwards I don't can I don't know if he can I don't know if he can anymore doesn't get any better in fact world tag team title four-way match the north defeat Ace Austin and Man Man Fulton they also defeat Chris Sabin and nobody, because Alex Shelley was taken out before the match started. Uh, the Good Brothers were also in this match, but I cannot confirm that they actually ever got in the ring. So, um, no, they are just low effort. At can they point. not? Can they not wrestle uh, either? Or what was going on here? Because look, Shelley, it turns out, was legitimately injured, so they had to shoot the angle. I get it. That doesn't mean I have to like it, you know. And it's like unfortunate circumstances. No, we got back to back bait and switches here, so that's fine, I guess. So. You know. And we did the title switch. I guess you have to because Shelly's hurt. I get it. I get it. But it was also the other trend here was every match to this point was either a really bad – it was either like – it was either had a bullshit finish, was cinematic, or was a scramble. Yeah. And we just get a one-on-one match where two guys wrestle and one is better. Ken, is that too hard? The show fucking sucked. Impact Knockouts title, Deanna Perazu, who I put over like hell on the last flagship, saying that her character's been good, they've been building up well, everything's been great, uh, she's going to face Kylie Ray. Uh, Kylie Ray does not show up for the show, uh, I guess we can briefly talk about that if we want. Regardless, they decided to go with their normal plan, they were going to have Kylie Ray beat Deanna Perazu, which I think is stupid, and then they decide, well, we'll have her replacement, Sue Young, also defeat Deanna Perazu for the title. So, that's, you will Sue never... Young ever be able to convince me that Deanna Prazo should not have just fucking beat Sue Young. No. What are we doing? No, what are you doing? And Sue Young fucking stinks. You finally got somebody. You finally have somebody with a little bit of momentum that's pretty damn good, that's getting some buzz, that you can build a division around and she loses to Sue Young. The undead Sue Young. Who's also terrible. Yes. Sue Young commits the crime that I cannot accept in my pro wrestler's and it's those little choppy steps when they get thrown into the corner or into the ropes. Just that non-athletic thing that takes me right out of it. Those little choppy steps that you see all that. I can't, I can't stand that. She's not good. She's not a good pro wrestler. And yeah, I have no idea why they felt the need to do this title change. As for Kylie Ray, you got to use kid gloves when you talk about Kylie Ray. You're not allowed to talk openly and honestly about Kylie Ray. We learned that the last time around. I feel for her. Okay? If, if she has these... Uh, this mental illness that everybody talks about as being the cause for this kind of stuff, I sincerely hope she gets the help she needs. Absolutely. But, but maybe pro wrestling is not for her. At minimum, you cannot push her. You can't. At minimum. Okay? Look, if she had an office job and worked in a cubicle, you know, this would be a completely different scenario. You accept that every now and then. With a mental illness, you're going to miss a couple days of work. You're going to have your bad days. 
and no one would care. It's just, you know, no one would care from the from the uh, perspective of. I'm not saying nobody would care about her. I'm saying nobody would yeah, care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd say, oh, no, 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 you're yeah. good. Take right. a few days off. You know, yeah, it's yeah. cool. Do your work from home if you need to. You know, whatever. Yeah, there, there's there's ways to adapt. It's it's pretty – if you have, you know, <laughs> if you have anxiety attacks, I don't know if, you know, performing in front of crowds of people is really the best path for you yeah, know, your life. Well, it's not even that. It's just you got to – you got to – you got to answer the bell literally mm-hmm. and figuratively. You got to – at minimum, you got to show up the work. So maybe this just isn't for her. You know, how can you trust her when you, when your job is to put on a live performance? That's the difference here. She doesn't work in a cubicle. Any other line of work in the almost in the world, this wouldn't be an issue. Whatever her issues are would not be an issue. But in this line of work, it's an issue. Yeah. And, you know, it's, yeah, I'm glad she's okay. You shouldn't even have to say that. But you have to because you know how people will get. Oh, you didn't even say you're glad she's okay. Someone said that to me on Twitter, like a couple. It's like, go fuck yourself. Right. Moron. We're, we're talking about wrestling. We're covering wrestling. You know, yeah. yeah of course. Yeah, obviously, I, I, obviously, I'm glad she's okay. Yeah, at a baseline, I, I don't wish ill on this person who didn't show up for their booking. <laughs> like you yeah. Idiot. yeah. I hope she suffers because she didn't perform yeah. on Impact Bound for Glory. You know, yeah. I'm not a we're stupid. Not <laughs> you stupid, boring, fucking idiot. Enjoy your fucking block, dummy. Um, But yeah, of course. But it's like. You know, it, it becomes a tricky deal. It's like, how can you push her with any confidence at at, at the baseline? I mean, you got to be able to figuratively and literally be able to answer the bell and show up to work. It's a live performance. Okay, you're not. This isn't an office job where 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 your job can get done tomorrow when you're feeling better. This is not that. So I worry about her career from that standpoint because at some point these promoters are going to say that she is not worth the trouble. Right, right, right. I mean, at one time, yeah, okay, one time, you know, whatever. But, yeah, two times now, that's tough. And it, it, it does, like, I don't – if I was a booker, like, I, I'm sorry. I just don't I, don't – I don't push you anymore. Like, yeah, you can work my show, of course. Yeah, you're Kylie Ray. You're very talented. Of course you can work my show. But I'm not giving you a title. I'm not putting you in a main event. I'm not planning for you to win a title until and that's that's uh, promoters can absolutely be in the right to do that. That's nothing against her. That's not them saying, "Hey, look, I hope you suffer." Da 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 da. It's just sorry. Like I can't, I, I can't sell lot. tickets with your name on it if I if I don't know for sure that you're going to come. And Impact was put in a real tough spot because of that, right? And I'm not saying they handled it well because I don't think they did. I think as soon as she missed the call time, they needed to announce that she wasn't wrestling. Right. We don't show. play the video. We don't use it for heat. You know, we yeah. don't say, oh, yeah. she didn't want to show up to, to work or whatever. Just say Kylie Ray had an incident, especially now more than now. Well, I guess you don't want to say she's got COVID. But, Rich, I, that's the, but here's the thing. With that said, I can understand why they didn't announce that she yeah, wasn't there. Again, there's kid then, gloves. It's COVID. I get it. Yeah. There's a million reasons because then everyone's going to speculate why she isn't there. They're going to worry about her. So that's why I'm saying Impact was in a real tough spot. What do you do? Do you do the right thing from a promoter standpoint and say she's not here? We don't want to false advertise. But we don't know where she is. You can't do that because then people say, especially with her history, oh, shit, they worry about her. Speculation starts. Rumors get work. So I kind of get it. 
It was a real tough spot. I wouldn't have handled it the way that they did. Um, I, I, but at the same time, I can't say definitively what I would have done. I think I would have waited to get word that she was okay. And then immediately announced that she wasn't going to wrestle on the show. And even if that was an hour into the show, because at that point, okay, maybe people bought the show and they're going to be annoyed. But I'm not telling people that she's not there until I know she's okay. Right. It's a tricky spot. What you don't do is play the entrance music and like you're saying, use it for heat and and all that. That's a bad way to handle it. You know, maybe just have Josh Matthews mentioned at the top that there's a change in the women's match or just there had to be a better way. But I'm glad I wasn't in charge of attempting to make that decision. Right. Well, and that's the problem, too, is a lot of promoters don't want to be put in this situation either. Yeah. Where they have to play this PR game versus a promoter game versus a, you know, not not throw you under the bus. Because you could just say, hey, Kylie Ray didn't show up because she didn't want, you know, you could throw her under the bus. They don't want to really do that. They, it, it, you just, you create a lot of issues with that. And that's why, yeah, promoters don't want to be, they have enough shit to worry about right now. Versus, Could you, you have know, drummed up a, a fake storyline to explain her absence? I like, yes, but then Diana Peraza cut her fucking tires or something. I mean, anything. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I mean, could you do something to let people know she's not working the show, but also not throw her under the bus or make people worry unnecessarily? But this is why we're saying, unfortunately for Kylie Ray, at some point, Promoters are going to view her as not worth the trouble. That's going to be the end result here. It's a shame. But with that said, the live event business simply isn't for everyone. And I should also add this. We don't even know that it was a mental health issue. That's what everyone just Everybody said. Everybody just kind of goes to that. Yeah, we, we have no clue. So who even knows what the real issue was? All we know is that she's okay. Multiple uh, reporters have said that she's fine. And she's not injured and she's okay. But everyone immediately has assumed that it's the mental health issues, which it might be. I don't know. But I haven't heard that from her. And I haven't heard that from any reporter because no one can get the information. It's always like a closely guarded state secret when it comes to her what the issue is. And it's weird. It's fucking bizarre. I don't know. We should probably move on. We're probably in enough fucking trouble. We are, it's yeah. Like, but yeah. This is like the hottest topic. Like it, it's like so salacious to just discuss it. But it's like, I don't know. Anyway, what was next? All right, so we're, we're five minutes over. We'll, we'll go about ten minutes over. Our, our overloads will allow us to go ten minutes over. That's fine. We'll ask nicely. Yeah. Uh, Rich Swan, Eric Young. That was our main event. Impact World title. Rich Swan wins the title, becomes a new uh, Impact champion. Great match. I, I, notebook match for me. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah. Um, this is a good example of what in-match trash talk looks like versus, you know. It's also a good example script. of what pro wrestling looks like. You know, this entire show was, yeah. like, trying so hard to be I don't know what. And it was just like, I don't know, man, 21 minutes, two guys working their ass off. And one wins and one loses. I don't know. It, <laughs> yeah. Versus seems a lot easier. <laughs> seems a lot easier than getting six cameras together and a bunch of fucking you know, editing together to get Moose and EC3 to be a passable whatever the fuck it was. It just seems a lot easier just to have two guys that wrestle and then they wrestle. But I don't know. And long-term storytelling, yeah. which got a payoff. Yeah, it was great. You know, Rich Swan winning the Impact World title, um, which they, you know, have been setting up for months. You know, so good long-term storytelling, good work. Eric Young is very good. 
We've talked about him before. Rich Swan. Rich Swan. I've had hiccups this whole show. I know. You've, 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 you've pushed through. I thought eventually you were going to have to just mute <laughs> totally, but you've done a good job of pulling through. And uh, Rich Swan is your uh, Impact World Champion. Yeah. yeah, good stuff. Couple of titles in that household with Sue Young, right? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Households draped in gold now. But uh, gold, no, the Swan is a great story with Swan. Yeah, he, he comes back from his injury. He fights, you know, like hell. Eric Young doesn't want to give the title up. Rich Swan, yeah, it was just, it was really, really good. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not hard. <laughs> it's pretty easy now, sometimes. I, I, so. now I can't sit here and break down whether this is a good world title change in the middle of COVID when they're not selling any tickets and everything, but. It's a nice little story. I guess that's all that matters right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, you know, that was uh, Bound for Glory, which outside of that match, uh, yeah, I mean, even counting that match, it's one of the worst shows of the year. But yeah, I think that terrible. match saves it from being the worst show of the year. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, if that if that was a, a dud, then yeah, we're talking horrendous. But I did not feel – when that match was over, I didn't feel like I completely wasted my time because at least I got one decent match out of it. So. Also, easily the worst match uh, – the worst pay-per-view of the Don Callis Impact. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Head and shoulders because they, they became a really good pay-per-view company for a lot of – like two, three years there. They were legit like buy, a, buy their pay-per-views because it's going to be a good-ass wrestling show at a baseline. And they, they definitely lost that with Bob for Glory. So – this show combined with the murder mystery on Impact, where Johnny Bravo gets shot and it's you know treated like comedy <laughs> during a wedding. Yeah, you forgot to mention during his wedding. So that combined with that makes me totally not interested in paying attention to Impact. No, they're they're off my list for now. They they have to they're win off, me back. They're, they're they they got to win me back. Yeah, yeah. I I, I just I'm not I'm not going to turn on Impact every week and watch this murder mystery. It's not going to be funny. It's not what I want out of my wrestling. The pay per view was fucking horrendous. Impact is is out of my fucking sight and vision for now. They've got, like you said, I need to hear positive buzz before I get back in. We'll we'll parachute back in for the next pay per view. Yeah. Okay. But if if you think I'm watching this bullshit every week, you're you're crazy. I'm not doing it. There's just not enough hours in the day, and I rather watch my fucking old New Japan tapes that I've been watching. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're into that. I'm into it. That's gonna hurt. Yeah, it. yeah. That's just gonna hurt you because that's just that's just. Dudes being dudes, you know, guys go out there. Well, Rich, well, here's the thing, Rich. Did you know that wrestling has to be a variety show? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it can't just be a dude in a fucking button-up shirt that says, I want to kick your ass, and the other dude in the button-up shirt's like, fine, fucking prove it, and then they fucking prove it. It's funny that I'm watching a period of New Japan that was red hot with sold-out crowds everywhere that was most decidedly not a variety show whatsoever. (laughs) So, uh, you know, that's just total bullshit, and I'm tired of people saying that, too. I, 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 Tatsumi Fujinami was uh, known for his song and dance routines all the time, though. That's oh, yeah, coming, though. That's coming game. soon. You're going to get it soon. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Total. I think he's, he's still be. a young lion now, right? And By the time you're watching. But yeah, by 85, full song and dance with old Fujinami out there. So Has to be a variety show. My favorite people who <laughs> say that. Something for everybody, Joe. <laughs> yes. Yes. My favorite people who say that. You know my favorite people who say that are? Who are your favorite people that say that, Joe? When I say something bad about AEW and then I get someone in the mentions that their handle is like AEW fan for life, um, elite is the best, you know, names of that genre, AEW logo in the avatar or a big Kenny Omega picture or something. (laughs) When it's someone like that and they tell me, well, you know, wrestling has to be a variety show. And I'm thinking to myself, and, and or their name is like WWE hater one two three seven, you know. Or their description says they can't stand WWE and they're 
Well, that's a Vince McMahonism that you're st- that you're that you're spouting. Right. Yeah. You're, you're just regurgitating that because he that's what he wants wrestling to be, but it's not actually what it needs to be. So you're regurgitating the thing that he said for decades, which is why AEW now exists. But they don't realize that. They don't understand that. Um, anyway, let's talk about this Rev Pro show. Yeah, let's talk about a great show here. This Rev Pro Epic Encounters 4. This was their first foray into Twitch. We have gone well over, but fuck it. We're going to do it live. Uh, Rev Pro Epic Encounters 4. Twitch. Uh, they're now doing these things live on Twitch uh, instead of fight. So they're going live on Twitch, and then they're going to pump uh, put them over to the Rev Pro On Demand uh, afterwards. So this is kind of a new uh, uh, a style instead of just having them on fight and available on demand or whatever. Uh, but yeah, all in all, I, I watched almost all of this. You have seen all of it. Rev Pro Epic Encounters, man, that is that's that's it, man. That's what I want out of wrestling. It is is episode by episode. It's episodic wrestling, basically. Stories are being told, people are being elevated. The best thing that happened in this entire show, and we'll talk about it all. The opener was Will Ospreay versus JJ Gale. And for people that have been watching the other Rev Pro Epic Encounters, you and I have watched all of them at this point. I think we've talked about all of them on these shows. Will Ospreay, the first three nights of these epic encounters, the first three of them, was Will Ospreay. What we know, Will Ospreay of, of, of 2019, of 2018, like like that guy, bouncing all over the ring, the, whatever, you know, everything like that. This one comes out. Epic Encounters 4 comes out. It comes out on the 25th. He has now already turned heel in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's already started to use the figure four, you know, leg lock in, in, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's a, a, a slightly different character in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Joe, he comes out here on Epic Encounters 4. He's a fucking heel. He's an asshole, and he uses the figure four. Even yep. though the shit was taped two months ago or whatever. Yep. I fucking love that. I yep. love, I am such a nerd about stupid pro wrestling that the idea of planning this out gets me going. You know? Yep. I love this. Sh- I love the idea of, of one of the classic examples of like having a plan that people always bring up is WrestleMania 4. Randy Savage wins the title. Hulk Hogan lifts Elizabeth up, and Randy Savage just, just makes a slight little look at Hulk. That's it. Just a yep. little like, eh, what the fuck? All right. That's fine. I'm the champion. Whatever. Because they knew a year out they were going to do that match. Yep. I love Will getting to this fucking warehouse or whatever, wherever they're at. I forget what it is. And saying, ah, fuck, I'm going to be a heel in New Japan. Like, knowing that, A, first off, New Japan said, hey, you're going to be a heel when you come back. Which is awesome mm-hmm. that they knew ahead of time. And we know that yep. they do that stuff ahead of time. And then Will having the foresight to say, all right, when's this episode going to air? And they say, oh, we're probably going to air it on this time. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to be a heel in New Japan by that point. So I'm going to work yep. like a heel. I'm going to work. I'm going to do this move. I, I fucking love that stuff. God, I love planning, <laughs> careful thought. Because that's what it. Because it would have been really easy for Will Ospreay to go do all five of these or six of these epic encounters or whatever. I forget how many there are, and bounce off the ropes and do his normal Will Ospreay stuff and just move on and, and like it's nothing. Yeah, New Japan. I'm a heel and I'm not. I'm doing the figure four. What? Who gives a shit? I'm here today and I'm doing this stuff right now. But the idea, the foresight to say, no, I'm going to work like a heel because that's what, if people are watching New Japan and watching Rev Pro, which you and I are, you're going to notice, hey, that's weird. Well, Osprey isn't a heel in New Japan, but in this Rev Pro, which is presumably supposed to be, you know, airing right now, he, he's, he's, he's a total babyface. But he did. Yep. He worked like a fucking asshole heel, exactly like his character in New Japan. And I love that shit. I love it. He Planning. <laughs> Well, he notebooks, he whiteboards. I love it. <laughs> whenever this was taped months and months ago, he was obviously thinking about how he was going to work as a heel in New Japan, and then applied that to the first match that he knew was going to air. Right after he began working, oh, I love it. <laughs> Which means he's been thinking about. 
how he was going to change his work after his New Japan turn for months and months and months. And that's why he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. Attention to detail. And, you know, he could have done this Rev Pro taping and not given anything that he was going to do in New Japan a second thought. But that continuity, and it would have been fine. Yeah, nobody would have cared. Like, I would have just said, that's weird, but whatever. (laughs) And it might not even come across as weird. Right. I mean, we may not have even noticed. But he put the thought into it. And it's like, not even for the whole taping. He sat down with Quilden and figured out which one was going to air after all of this. And then started working that way from that point, from show four forward. That's... It's just, it's fucking great. And that's the kind of shit we can sink our teeth into as fans. Because we know that they care. Yeah, that they thought, so, that they cared, that they sat down, that they planned ahead. They planned a month ahead. Yes. They planned a week ahead. They planned three months ahead. They planned a year ahead, whatever. Just they fucking sat down and thought about it for a second and said, all right, well, no, okay, when's this going to air? Okay, that's why, okay, no, yeah, no, that's after the G1. So, no, I'm going to be a heel then. So, no, I'll, I'll work this way, you know? When but, he gave Gail that like forearm shot to the thigh that he gave (laughs) show in Corican hall, the same one he gave to show in Corican. I was like, this motherfucker is a great pro wrestler. What a great pro wrestler. And then using the figure four. And it's like, (laughs) Holy shit. This guy, you know, it's like, this is, this is what it's all about. Well, from the moment he came out, if you were watching the other ref pros, it was a completely like his music comes out and he's just different. He just comes out and he's a different asshole. (laughs) Like, and it's awesome. God, it's, it's, it's again, and like you said, it's one of those simple things that, like, I don't know. I mean, 50% of the people watching may have picked up on it. There might be other people that watch this that have no idea. You and I maybe would have missed it too if we didn't really kind of like give thought to it or what, you know, like, or we didn't watch New Japan, like, whatever. It didn't make, like, there's such a small amount of people that probably would have cared that much about it, but it makes it that much better, though, that yeah. he just thought about it. He's like, no, that, that doesn't make sense if I come out and I'm a baby face. I'm just impressed that even way back when he was thinking about how he was going yeah. to work as a heel mm-hmm. and the new elements and wrinkles he was going to add that, that, that I'm just, imp- I'm impressed enough by that. What'd you think of JJ Gale? Because I've been screaming at you that this guy, Oh, I loved done- him. Yeah, he was great. He's, he's going to be a, he's going to be a thing. How young, how young is he? Cause yeah, he, he looks obviously still pretty young, but I thought he was tremendous in this match, man. And he was great against Haskins, but I chalked that up to maybe Haskins being great, but you know, the last, two matches as well. I mean, he's just brought it and you could see that rev pro believes in him because you don't give him this kind of spot um, against the champion on this show. And against Haskins, a couple shows before rev pro has put thought into who's going to be next because they need to, you know, between Ricky Knight jr, which we're going to talk oh, about. Yeah. Yeah. And just Gail, I really believe this Gail is going to be a player on whatever is left of the UK scene when everything gets back to normal with COVID and whether that means just rev pro or whether the indie scene does get ramped back up over there. This Gale is going to be one of those guys that we keep talking about. We need people to fill spots yeah. from all the guys that have been banished. He's going to be one of them. Absolutely. Oh no, for sure. Yeah. He, he, I really he, feel like he's going to be one of them. Yeah. No. And they, they put him over enough to do it. He's, he's got his body. I mean, his body looks pretty solid as well. He's obviously still pretty young, but no, his in ring was, was good. Yeah. He'll fill that out. You could tell, uh, yeah, no, he's he's definitely a guy to to keep an eye on for sure. The the Indies, the UK no, no. is going to need people, and 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 he's absolutely a guy that that if I'm running anything in the UK, he's a guy I call. Yeah, and you know it seems like he's a Rev Pro guy, so you know 
good for them for identifying who's next and going with it. But um, perfect kind of match, too, for this scenario. Gave him just enough. The champ gave him just enough. But it didn't go too long. And then, you know, and then Osprey puts him away. So very enjoyable. All right. Then we had uh, – I, I missed these next uh, three matches, but maybe you can talk about uh, these ones. Yeah, so best of five series match four. So best of five. This is match four of it. Uh, Kenneth Halfpenny defeats uh, Brendan White two and two now is uh, is where we're at. So believe two it or not, two. the best of five is going to go down to the fifth match. I, I can't believe it either. So Yeah, so they're two and two. And the idea here is the fifth one's going to be best two out of three falls too. So um, another little wrinkle there. But if you've seen their other three matches, this was much of the same. Uh, White worked an injured arm kind of gimmick here. But, uh, you know, they go out there. They're like dollar store New Japan Young Lions. They go out there and the work is simple and solid. And they tell a simple story and and it is what it is. Uh, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, they took these two guys. and They could be out there having nothing matches. But they put the effort in to tell a five-show story with these two guys. And... That's why Rev Pro to me is the best booked indie in the world. And I'm changing my stance on that. I keep saying Rev Pro is the best booked indie in 2020 and all that. It's quickly becoming my favorite promotion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's great. It's bullshit free wrestling, well booked. There's clear progression. There's clear heel yeah. faces. It's just, yeah, guy gets a guy finishes his match. He gets an interview. He talks shit about the next guy he's going to face. He makes a challenge. He leaves. Next two guys come out. They fight. The winner gets a promo afterwards. He makes a challenge. It's just, yeah, it's it's, fine. it's great. I love it. It's fantastic. One show sets up the other, and the matches are always very good. We saw in four nights they made Ricky Knight Jr. like a dude who I like. Oh, I'm getting to that. He's like Save one of my favorite that. wrestlers in the world now. I'm like, let's go, Ricky Knight Jr. I'm like you know, hooting and hollering. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Like, I, didn't know this. I didn't know this guy for any. I didn't know his name four episodes ago. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. I've got a whole spiel for that. Oh, boy. This, is, this one's going to go a half hour here. Uh, Mark Haskins and Joel Redman. We're going to go three and a half here. <laughs> this old school. This is 2014. Solid match here between two solid pros. Haskins been, has been good on these shows. Redman came in kind of halfway through. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I don't have a ton to say about it, but it was a very good match. Uh, you know, one, one of the better matches on the show. Uh, Mad Kurt, Dan Maloney, they they set this up. Mad Kurt did a promo before the uh, the uh, the show started. It's Mad Kurt. You know, you kind of get the idea of Mad Kurt. The the in ring never really delivers on the level that you kind of wished or hope it would. But uh, yeah, I, I I watched a, a little bit of this match, but I I, I saw the ending and, and a few minutes of it. But yeah, nothing that really in those few minutes that really really you know hooked me. <laughs> he's a weird he's a he's a weird looking dude with a weird body who took the American meme wrestler route. And he's, you know, where would he be without this character? So you got to give him credit for that. Similar to where would Dan Housen be? Where would Dan the dad be? Where would the alley cat be? It's the same kind of idea. Uh, the idea here was Maloney was undefeated in Rev Pro. And, you know, it's like Mad Kurt was like just this annoying guy and he didn't really take him all that seriously. Put him in a choke. He passed out for like a brief moment and the referee stopped the match. So it was kind of a gimmicky finish to end his undefeated streak. And um, it's kind of, it didn't really work. The, it probably looked better on paper than it ended up being in practice. And then Shaw Samuels was the big surprise. He came out and attacked Maloney to set up a match for uh, Epic Encounters 5. 
All right, and then uh, Ricky Knight Jr., Kyle Fletcher, 12 minutes and 23 seconds. I love this match, and I love Ricky Knight Jr. He is great. I'm invested. I want this guy to beat Osprey, win the title, become a star. I, I, I'm, I'm all in on Ricky Knight Jr. So you want to talk about good booking and why RevPro is so well-booked. Here has been his path on these shows. Epic Encounters 1, he teams with Kyle Fletcher. They beat Oku and Will Ospreay, okay? And he scores the big pinfall. Yes, which we is important. about it on the show. Him scoring that yeah. pinfall is very important, by the way, not just the throwaway. Very important. And we talked about it at the time. That was a huge scalp for him to pin Will Ospreay. And in the post-match interview, he's all excited because he pinned the champ. He thinks he should get a title shot. And Kyle Fletcher is like, hold on. I've got the next title shot. Okay? So calm down. I'm next in line. So they set up a little bit of tension between these two guys, even though they just won their match. So hold that thought. Next show on two, he holds kind of this secondary cruiserweight title, the SWE, whatever it was called. So they have him drop that title to Oku, who's the RevPro uh, cruiserweight champion. That's important because they're elevating Ricky Knight Jr. So they get this other little secondary title off of him. He loses in a way which is kind of bullshit because – uh, Connor Mills like interfered in the match, so he loses, but he doesn't really lose, right? And it also puts two titles on Oku, so that was smart. We get to the third show, he faces Connor Mills, who cost him his title. See how this all makes sense? And he gets his revenge and beats Connor Mills on that same show. Kyle Fletcher gets his title shot against Will Ospreay, and he loses. So Will Ospreay still the champ. Fletcher is now out of the picture because he got his title shot and he came up short. Ricky Knight Jr. Uh, gets a big win over Connor Mills to get revenge on Mills costing him the title. And then on this show, it's Ricky Knight Jr. versus Kyle Fletcher. And Ricky Knight Jr. firmly establishes himself as the number one contender by beating Kyle Fletcher, the guy that they set up tension with on show number one, and the guy who was the previous number one contender. And now Ricky Knight Jr. is going to challenge Will Ospreay for the title on Epic Encounters 5. Right, which he does after and- the match. He gets, a, he gets a promo after the match and says, I'm going for Will Ospreay and I'm going for that title. And Will comes out, and- talks shit, and they build it up. And now, and they have their face-to-face standoff. That is how you book <laughs> I know. wrestling. Step-by-step progression. It all makes sense. One thing leads to the next. That is how you do it. And Get in. Your total time investment's like an hour. You know what I mean? When you, when you when you really if you only watched Ricky Knight Jr. matches and didn't watch these entire shows, which are what two and a half hours or whatever, if you just watch all the Ricky Knights, an hour of your time got you to that point. Got you so from fun. guy that you don't might not know about scores the big win and then works his way up four matches later, four nights later. Now in the fifth night, he gets a match against Will Ospreay. He finally gets his chance at him. Rich, on one set of tapings in one night, they took a guy who was fucking around and wrestling Robbie X on undercards before the pandemic started, and now they've gotten him over to where he's a main event player in the company, and he might win the title next uh, on the next show. In one set of tapings, they accomplished that. (laughs) And we got to sit through the fucking slop that we sit through with American indie wrestling. Yeah, some assholes got to get shot. We got fucking... Dan Housen. <laughs> bullshit. Unbelievable. I got to sit here and watch Game Changer shows where they don't book shit. They don't give anyone any direction. The matches are always terrible. That's what we get here. In one fucking night, no pun intended, they made this kid. 
Ricky Knight Jr. One night. Logical, progressive booking. And that's why I'm all in on this stuff. They've done such a great job. I don't know how many more they have in the can. I hope there's a I hope there's a hundred of them. <laughs> yeah, you hope they just filmed every minute of every day for an entire weekend. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know how many more. Rule. I know, they rule. rule. I don't want them to go away. They they've been the one thing that's given me hope <laughs> during this entire pandemic. They made this guy and they're working on Callum Newman. And they're working on JJ Gale. They got more coming. There's nothing throwaway on these shows. Every match means something and leads to something. That's all we're gonna. That's all we ask for as fans. And the matches are good. They're filling up my notebook. These shows. There's no match of the year contenders, but you know, four, four and a quarter consistently, two, three matches on each one of these shows. Maybe not that many. One or two on each show. This Ricky Knight Jr. Kyle Fletcher match ruled. God. And did you notice? Ricky Knight Jr. is, like, taller than Will Ospreay. I didn't realize that. He's not a small kid. No, no, he's a big dude. Yeah, I, I noticed that from the first night. Um, that's that's when I initially got my attention to him. I'm like, ooh, he's got, he got some size here. It's not a little guy. He's, he's got some some decent size to him. He had, he's got a little baby fat and stuff. He doesn't, maybe not fully to get, but, yeah, you can definitely see the building blocks there of a really good guy. I think he's, like, 22 as well. He's, like, super fucking young. He's a kid. You think of him as a flippy dude, right? But he's, he's like, nose-to-nose with Ospreay, and I think he was a hair taller. And Ospreay's not a short guy. He's 20, Ricky Knight Jr. Oh, is he 20? Oh, my God. <laughs> 20. Damn. And we know the family's wacky. So what? A lot of wrestling families are wacky. This guy's now a player. What a tremendous job by RevPro. How can you not be fired up for Ricky Knight Jr. versus Will Ospreay? You're going to tear the house down, too. Anyway. That was epic. And ca- well, wait, there was uh Oh, then, yeah, Giselle Shaw, Bia Priestley was, was your main event for the uh, British women's title. Giselle Shaw, uh, defeat Bia and, and, and kept your title as well. So. The best thing about all these Bea Priestley and um, Jamie Hayter matches is the, what do you call their group? Odeo Tie? What's yes. it called? Oedo Tie? Odeo Tie? The theme song for that group is a fucking banger. Oh, it's I love that Yeah, it is really wow, good. What a great song with the woman wailing in the background and the fucking drum beat. Fantastic stuff. Then B has to wrestle. But... <laughs> yeah, then the bell rings, unfortunately. Which... It's all right. I mean, she was way worse a few years ago, but I still don't think Yeah, and Giselle Shaw is, like, fine, too. You know what I mean? Replacement, she's Replacement-level wrestlers. Yeah, she's fine. <laughs> she's perfectly – like, you absolutely see, you know, why you would push her, why you – but, yeah, she's fine. In a, in, a, in a better world, she's just, like, a mid-card, you know, women's wrestler, but, you know. Given that you know there's not many left, and uh, you know times are, are are tough to find, you know women talent in, in in the UK and whatnot, and and for a multitude of reasons, of course, uh, she's not a bad sort of fallback option. So, but I mean, all the women's stuff built up to this too. I mean, they told no, they did it. Yeah, the story itself was good, like you said. The bell has to ring, and that's the unfortunate part. But they keep it. It's not like they're going 25 minutes there. They they understand their limitations. But yeah, they've had tag matches almost the exact same way. They've had tag matches. They've broken out into singles matches. There's been clear directions going towards, you know, Giselle Shaw versus Bea Priestley being a, 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 the, the big match between the women, and, and they did it. So, yeah, kudos to them again. I was invested in the match. I just didn't love it, but I was invested in it. Yeah, so um, here's the matches for five. I got the whole card. Uh, Mad Kurt versus Robbie X. Uh, Oku and Oof. Mills. <laughs> I'll skip that one for sure. That's... Oku and Mills versus J.J. Gale and Callum Newman. So that's a, very- oh, that's a lot of talent on that match. Yeah. Yeah. And Oku's a heel now and he's paired up with Mills. And then you got Gail and Newman who are, you know, 
the fiery underneath uh, young hotshot baby faces. Uh, Bobby Tyler and Zoe, Lu- Zoe Lucas versus uh, Odeo Ty, Priestley, and Hader. Um, White and Halfpenny. Kenneth Halfpenny is the most British name. That's pretty like, aggressively British. <laughs> yes. um, sir, if he had Sir Kenneth Halfpenny. <laughs> well, there you go. You just came up with a great idea. Um, best two out of three falls to end the best of five series. Shaw Samuels versus Dan Maloney, which was set up on uh, on this show here with the post-match attack. And then uh, for the undisputed British heavyweight title, Willow Spray versus Ricky Knight Jr. God, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, more than almost any match in wrestling. I mean, I'm so looking forward. Yeah, Look, I'm with it's you. sitting hard. I mean, it just builds <laughs> that's, well. that's my saying, man. It's not hard. It's, it's, it's fucking not hard. Just kind of think of what you're going to do and then just do it. <laughs> you know, like it's not. Have a plan, write it down, and then say, okay, how do we get to this? All right, here we go. And these shows are free now. You just got to watch the Twitch gimmick. You don't get the replay, though. You got to watch it live. That's the problem. You do have to watch it live, which, which, which stinks. But if you get the RPW on demand, you can, you can watch it on demand. So I paid for this shit. You get my money if you book like this. You book like this, and you give me this kind of action and booking and stories. You get 10 bucks. Yeah, you get 10 bucks a month from old Joel Lanza. Yeah. 750 a month. 750 even better. Might as well be free. I mean, you give me this kind of action and this kind of storytelling and this kind of wrestlers of this quality, and you put this much thought into it, you earn my money. They have earned my money. All right, we are way over here. <laughs> we want to skip over the rep, bro. We're at 333. This is old school fucking 2014 Voice of Wrestling flagship. Hopefully you guys... Good thing we had all that theater talk. Yes, I know. <laughs> We're talking about guys and dolls and Andy got her gun and all those other bullshit. Anyway, uh, that's it for us. Voicesofwrestling.com, patreon.com slash voicesofwrestling for all our additional uh, coverage as well. Uh, at Voices Wrestling on Twitter. That's Joel Lanza. I'm Rich Grace. Talk to you guys next time. Take care. Bye. <laughs>